On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, the crew will fumble their way through a few noteworthy topics as they lament the doldrums of talking Star Wars when there isn't any Star Wars taking place. They'll dissect some new quotes from the cast of the Book of Boba Fett to speculate what type of story we may see in the show. Apparently, Rogue Squadron will be discussed again this week as news has broken on Patty Jenkinson's other commitments. Matt will have some Crimson Dawn canon to enlighten you with from the latest issue of the Vader comic book, while Nick will discuss some new Star Wars Hunters gameplay. The duo will then show off some new collectibles to consider while Matt complains about the downside of being a collector. Finally, the two will usher in this week's fan segment by reading fan responses to the question of the week and honoring the top five featured Star Wars artists of the week. Punch it, Chewie. everybody welcome back to the star wars time show it's mad it's nick and we're wild and crazy guys (laughs) 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 i felt like you know we had to change it up from last week i was like debbie downer for the first hour or so of the show so (laughs) i decided to come out like I just got shot out of a cannon into a net. Here we go. We're talking Star Wars. Or are we talking Halo? Nobody knows. But we will talk about something sci-fi related today. That is for damn Skippy. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We got the regulars in here. One six was first. He gets a medal. Brando Ooh. comes in second. He gets a, a ribbon. And then our buddy Tones is not working the back shift today. So he's always great to have in the chat. And he's already taken dumps on star wars hunters yeah. uh, which we'll yeah. talk about later today that is one of our topics yeah. amongst some uh, magazine interviews and let's be real friends i mean nick and i have been pulling on our puds for most of 2021 <laughs> to provide some sort of star wars weekly content for everyone and it's tough uh, we, we, the users, the listeners have spoken to us by tuning out. And some of these days, you know, Nick and I are going, what, what, what are we even talking about this week? But we're here. We're going to talk some star Wars, our buddy, Greg, he's back. We've got uh, two of the wrenches in here. The two original wrenches are in the live stream. And again, if you want to join the live stream and you're unemployed, you probably can do so Tuesday afternoons, 2:30 PM East, sort of. It's usually like 235, 440, sometimes 225, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, come join us. If not, watch it on the replay or even better, also subscribe on one of our uh, podcast platforms and leave a rating and review. We cannot stress enough how important that is. Ratings and reviews, likes and comments, subscribes and notifications. Yes. All right, buddy. So um, we got a few things to talk about. Some Book of Boba Fett commentary we're getting from Ming-Na Wen and Tamara Morrison. Uh, really not much to chew on, though. But, you know, we'll, we'll kick the tires we'll, on it, we'll try to speculate, some. blow some hot air. You never know. <coughs> Hold on. That might be a little bit of the, the 19. I don't know. <laughs> Drink from my big, drug, my big jug of vodka right there to get through the show. All right. Nice. So, Nick... 
non-Star Wars stuff. You can see on the graphic here, I've got the Master Chief up. That's right. It's Halo week. It's been a long time. I think, what, six years since Halo 5? I can't believe it's been that long since long time. Uh, the, the last Halo game. But um, 343's Infinite should be dropping tomorrow. And if you have not looked at the release schedule yet, you better. Because you may have to change your 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 gameplay plans because it is not releasing like a normal game. At least, you know, everyone gets it at a at a midnight or whatever. No, no, no. It's coming out tomorrow on the 8th, but it's like a, a staggered schedule. Uh, I believe the United or most parts of the United States will get access to it. I think around like one o'clock, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, there the the official isn't it weird, dude? But the official <laughs> launch time for Halo Infinite is 10 a.m. Pacific. So do the math, and it yeah. should show up in your region. You never know. Um, but it is not like a, I was kind of thinking like, Hey, maybe I'll try to stay up to midnight tonight and refresh my, my, yeah, get, get yeah. my game pass version loaded up and, and get the update in and be ready. But no, it's not even coming out till midday tomorrow. So, you know, I'm not gonna, I'll be a good, good little worker, work through the day and then hopefully fire up the campaign tomorrow. But, um, checking early review scores and, you know, you're going, hey, Matt, you tell us not to listen to reviews. And uh, you're right. You've listened to me correctly. And I'm not saying to go read the reviews, but if you just look at some of the aggregation going on, they, the, the, the people, the reviewers, the critics, the influencers, high praise is coming in for Halo Infinite's campaign, which has already gotten some, some good uh, critical feedback on the free beta multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm jazzed because, I mean, Nick... If you think about Halo, the franchise, it is, it changed gaming. It, it, you know, it, it changed gaming on consoles. I don't, I know some of you PC people be like, we had shooters <laughs> on PC for decades. Like, okay, fine. But you're, you, you guys in your master race, you're not the main population of gamers. So when Combat Evolved came out on a console, an FPS with a controller, it was new. That was new territory for, you know, gamers like myself that hadn't played on PC for years and the ability to land up your systems. And I think I was at the perfect age when Combat Evolved came out. I was in college living in apartments. We, you know, we'd get crazy shit going on with the guys across the street, freaking out our, our routers and opening up DMZ so we could play without land cables. It was just fun. The addiction of Halo was real. And then it continued into Halo 2, got an even better story, even better experience. And then in 3, you know, probably, arguably, one of the best trilogies in all of pop culture is the first three Halo games. Yeah. There wasn't a letdown, either gameplay-wise or narrative-wise, right, Nick? I mean, all three were pretty stellar, story yeah. told and gaming. Yeah, I and totally then, agree. And then we get the resurgence around, I don't know, like what? 2012 maybe 2013 with halo 4 which i found to have a very engaging story you got more into the forerunners and what the hell they were up to and how they fucked up the entire galaxy and then five came around and let's be real it was still a good halo game but i i don't know i feel like it was the first time in my halo career that the story did not kind of match the excellence of the gameplay and it, it kind of ended on a, a cliffhanger of sorts. It was like a, it was a Halo game where you didn't feel like there was a resolution 
to the main narrative. You know, we get we get left with Cortana going batshit, Chief floating around in space again, and now we're finally going to get to pick up with that tale in Infinite all these years later. So I'm I'm super jazzed for the campaign. I've been dabbling in the multiplayer, even though that's really not my suit these days, being a 41-year-old man. Um, you know, I, I put in some decent performances last night, but I still feel like I'm light years beyond the youngins these days in terms of learning maps, knowing where the power-up pickups are at, knowing where the choke spots are at, the good kill zones. But man, I, I don't know, Nick, I don't know if you've downloaded it because I know you're a game passer, so you've had access to it. And I believe the multiplayer is free for everyone, I think. Yeah, the uh, multiplayers even... will continue to be free, to my understanding. It's, they, they're, they're not going to like pull the multiplayer back when the full release happens. So even yeah. if you don't have Game Pass or if you don't own the game, you can still play the multiplayer. But, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there, would, you, would you agree with me, Nick, that the probably even the generation under you, they're probably more concerned with multiplayer social experiences than campaign narrative experiences, would yeah. you say? Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, the generation below me has basically been conditioned for the past 10 years to just expect shooters and in most games now to have like online multiplayer elements. So much so that like there were iterations of Call of Duty that released that had no campaign. It was just multiplayer and they still do like all the Call of Duty Warzone games are multiplayer only. I mean, some of the most popular games in the world right now, like Fortnite, League of Legends, only multiplayer, no story aspect to them. So I think that uh, a campaign is something that is way more revered by people in our, like, you know, your <laughs> us, generation, us my generation. Fucks. Yeah. But um, it's what I did hear come up, though, and it's an interesting conversation to have depending on the length of the campaign. But given that the multiplayer is free, if you're not a game passer, you're paying essentially full price for just the campaign mode of Halo. And like, while the campaign is good, it's not typically like a 60 hour campaign. Like you would get out of, you know, some RPGs or other games where you would feel comfortable paying, you know, 60, $70 60 for, a, for, a, for a, just the campaign. Now you're paying, you know, full price for the game and you're probably only going to get around a 20, 25 hour campaign out of it. Do you think that that's like, are you okay with that? Is that cool? I mean, you're, you, well, both I'm, of us are game pass. I, so, right. You know. And, and th this argument I like to, to discuss cause it's, I mean, it's, if you kind of compare it to other forms of entertainment, it's really not that bad of a deal. But again, back to the, the younger generations that have kind of grown up with free to play games and they're not used to, forking over cash for just maybe 25 30 hours of entertainment but if you think about movies these day i mean you, you could spend 18 to 20 dollars to go see an hour and a half long movie that that's it your experience is cashed in you spent your 20 bucks it's not like you can keep coming back to that theater and watching the movie over and over again like you can with a game yeah so so to me if you're going to get 20 even 20 hours for 60 dollars and you do the math that's you know ot plus ot equals ot squared 
the the time value of my money spent still jives in my head. You know what I mean? It's like if I'm willing to spend twenty bucks for a two hour film, is it really that big of an ass to spend sixty dollars for a twenty plus hour gaming experience that I then own and can come back to and get more legs out of it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think that yeah, for me, since I'm Game Pass, I really don't care. <laughs> like but I have seen some people saying that there's uh, that they should have lowered the price or blah blah blah. Obviously, with Halo, that, you those, know those that. are probably jobless assholes that have never worked in game design or anything. It's like, listen, <laughs> it, it, the people that worked on this game, they deserve your sixty fucking dollars if you're not on Game Pass. All right, sure. I mean, it's probably a steal from what the, the amount of hours they put in. Uh, so I, I don't, but I, listen, Nick, I get it. I understand why the younger generations probably get their, their assholes puckered over a price like that for a game because they just were not conditioned their whole lives. I mean, it was up until I think my late thirties that free to play never even existed. You yeah. always had to spend 30 plus dollars to get into gaming. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of, conditioned the opposite way where I'm, I'm used to spending money to play a game versus getting a game for free and then getting nickel and dime for battle passes and cosmetic this and jerk off that. So, and so yeah, um, for me, I didn't play halo five and I don't plan to play halo five. So I don't I, think you oh, need to. Yeah, I, I really don't to enjoy infinite. I, I really don't. I mean, in fact, dude, I was, and if I find a good one, I'll send it to you. But tonight, I'm hoping to find like a Halo story so far recap. Yeah. Uh, just it, It's been a while. I mean, I was like deep in the Halo. Not Star Wars crazy, but deep. I mean, we're talking words and shit. I, I've read almost all the Halo words and shit. Uh, you know, I read the books about you know, Kelly, Fred, all those motherfuckers. I mean, I was into it. All the way up to Halo 4, and then 5 comes around and just kind of changed up the whole formula and... I, I don't know. It just something happened and, and my love for the lore uh, died out a bit. The flame didn't fully go out, but it was just like, you know what? That I don't like this taste in my mouth right now after Halo 5. It just yeah. it didn't feel like a Halo story, at least the other ones. It kind of veered away from the whole Forerunner thing and, and the thing with the rings and all this fun stuff. But it's been so long since I beat it. And this is the first Halo in my life that I did not complete it multiple times. So I guess that that does speak volumes to the experience. But I am looking for like a a mega franchise recap, either in video form or uh, reading. I, I can read sometimes, especially when it's about stuff that's not real life. So I, I plan to do that sometime tonight. I'll kick it over to you, maybe the Discord for anyone else that's interested. But I, I do want to get kind of primed for the infinite campaign when it drops tomorrow, 1 PM East again. Um, they were getting some, some good commentary in the live stream. We got, uh, looks like tones, our buddies going for the booster at a boy. I had mine and it, it didn't quite kill me as bad as my second shot, but it definitely made me feel mushy. Like I, I just, I wasn't with it. Like it just, you can ask my students. It was another one of those where I'm just kind of a, a shell of myself sitting there going like, yeah, all right, next, next. Okay, can we get the hell out of here? I want to go lay on the couch and die. I believe I, I watched Dune for the third time on my second shot, just lay on the couch in the dark and just <laughs> consumed, consumed some Oscar Isaacs and, and Chalamet uh, in Dune. Um, so good luck with that, Tones. 
Uh, Tone's also getting into The Last of Us 2, which I consider to be one of the greatest narrative games of all time. Definitely the best game of the year in 2020. I think it won the award. Yeah. Um, so enjoy that, Tones. I don't know. You might get caught up in some of the, the weird stuff people do. I hope you don't, because I, I thought the story was just absolutely fucking fantastic. I have not finished that either. I don't know. It's just like I haven't, I haven't really been into many games recently. Like I... I especially not like last of us style games, like slow, long action adventure games. So eventually I'll come back to that. But yeah, I mean, recently I haven't been playing too much of anything I bought. Like I wanted to find like a good RPG, like a, like a Japanese RPG. Um, so I picked up this game for PS five called tales of arise. And like, if you've played, video games for a long time and you're into jrpgs then tales series has probably seen it around before and the game's pretty fun lots of good fighting you're not a you're not an ff7 guy like have you played remake yet dude i own it and i just have no desire to play it like i i literally have the game and it's installed on my console but like every time i look at it i'm like no i don't feel like playing that i I get that too because i mean when the first when the original came out you were probably what seven or eight something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was I was 97. Sure. Yeah, I was yeah. 9. Yeah. This is another one where I can almost guarantee anyone in my age range, you know, plus plus or minus 5 years or so can go back to 1997 and be like, "Oh yeah, Final Fantasy 7 was the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life and it changed how I uh, how I not played games, but just how I looked at the video game medium like, "Holy shit." It's no longer just something to get me full of rage and breaking shit. <laughs> it can actually tell stories that affect me emotionally. Yeah. So I, I like, love, uh, I love seven. I've loved remake. I actually, I need to play the, um, the, the Yuffie expansion that they, they dropped this year for it. But I'm like yeah. you, man. And we were talking earlier and I, I don't know if it's just a case of life depression, the, the pandemic going on damn near two years, kid getting older, uh, me kind of falling out of love with the toy collecting and toy photography hobby. It's something in me, but really none of my hobbies move me anymore. And yes, this is a very first world white man problem. So I'm not, you know, everyone break out your tiny fucking fiddles at <laughs> once right now and start playing them. I'm not asking for people to feel bad, but it's just, I don't know, dude, it's weird. It's just like, I, I've, I was in gaming for 10 years. I, I covered it. I was at the Halo 4, Halo 5, uh, Microsoft loft for, for pre-testing and playing. I mean, gaming was life. Star Wars is life. Spending money on Star Wars toys and shooting them was life. And these days, it's not. Like, I just don't feel a pull to any of these passions that have fucking, they, they've shaped me. They shaped who I am. And I just can't get back to that. You know I what? Think fuck everything. I'm just going to go sit down and play a game or fuck this. I got some time. I'm going to go shoot a figure. It's just everything now. I'm just like, ah, eh, fuck it. I'll lay on the couch. Yeah. 2021 has been weird. And I'll say, I think a lot of it is due to the fact that one, 2021 has been pretty lackluster for Star Wars releases. I want to hit on both Star Wars angle and the So we know that we got Bad Batch. Bad Batch was fun, but ultimately like you know, it was the first season of a new show and it was it had it it had ups and downs. It wasn't a banger all the way through. So it was good, but it wasn't great. Uh then you had Star Wars Visions, which was awesome, but realistically, 
you're not going to see any of those stories fleshed out any further because they're just kind of one-off little episodes. It was fun. It was great while it lasted, but we're not going to get any continuation from it. And that's really all that we've had in Star Wars World. And then for the gaming universe, I mean, we're coming off of this is the first year of new console releases. And as if you follow gaming, you know that the first year of console releases is historically awful for game release. I mean, shit, dude, people still can't get the goddamn consoles. Yeah. You can't I mean, like you people still can't, can't get them. buy these things. Yeah, there's there's no games out. So like even if you get them, you're like, OK, what am I going to play? PS5. Let's do Let's do seven remake and then we'll play Ratchet and Clank. And then that's about it. Unless you're playing like, you know, the up-res versions of PS4 games that you didn't finish. That's about it. And then on on Xbox, you have uh, Forza Horizon 5 that just came out on Game Pass for those of you who like driving games. And then you'll have supposed Infinite. to be fucking excellent, by the way. Yeah, like, supposed I mean, like to be amazing. I played that game for about. 15, 20 minutes and it looks incredible. I'm not a huge driving game person. So like I, I, but I did enjoy what I played of it. And then you have Halo and that's about it. Like there's no like must have games that are out yet for these consoles that you can't play on other ones. So like for both of the hobbies that we have, it's just kind of been ho-hum, you know, it's, there's not a lot going on. The only thing that's saving me now is that like uh, so G4 TV, I don't know if anybody remembers that here <laughs> who who watched it. They just relaunched. So G4 TV is now back. It's on actual television and it's on the Internet. And really? it's been what channel. What, so what, the channel. Up? So it's I mean, it's still the same. Oh, Comcast relaunched the channel. Um, so it's check your local listings. No is basically, I how bet it's it not on. It's probably not on YouTube TV then. It's on, but no, but they put all of their content is live streamed on YouTube first, YouTube and Twitch first, and then they cut up their segments to make the actual like TV episodes. So you, you can see everything. And it's, it's, it's most of the original because I feel like none of them got jobs after it shuttered. So what is, it? is it Morgan and Sessler? And, so Morgan's not uh, there, but Sessler is leading X-Play, but he has, what's cool is for me is you have the two basically the two big people from the original you have kevin Pereira that's doing attack of the show and you have adam sessler that's doing x play but they brought in all of these fantastic content creators that already have very big followings yeah to to now work with the new people or to work with adam and kevin on the shows to come up with new shows to to make new new you know new content that is just outside of attack of the show and x play right and What's really cool is one of the main hosts or the first new host that they brought on. If you're a fan of wrestling, it's it's Austin Creed, which is I don't follow wrestling, but apparently he's one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world right now. Like he just won King of the Ring and all this stuff. So they have a lot of great personalities on it. And you like when I watch it, I feel the soul of the old G4 there. And then being able to see, you know, Kevin and Adam like. The reason that I got excited for it, for for Halo is because X-Play just put out their review and they gave it a four out of five. And I was like, OK, like if there's one game reviewer out there that I trust, it's Sessler. And, you know, having him back out there doing it in like newer kind of long form style reviews instead of just like the three minute style reviews that you would get on old yeah. X-Play, like having him actually sit down for 20 plus minutes sometimes flesh out a review give you a lot of his opinion 
then also bring in the other hosts on there as well. I think it's a really cool format. Um, so yeah, I'll, I, I'll have to see if I can find it. Cause here's the deal. And this is another generational thing. That seems to be the theme in our opening discussion here. Yeah. Uh, I know we're technically content creators, but I don't like content creators, especially in the gaming space, because they more or less are the reason why I'm not in the gaming media anymore, because, uh, you know, there, there was a clear shift in how people consume video game news and coverage about five to six years after I started Entertainment Buddha, and Entertainment Buddha was humming the fuck along, like... For a site started in a basement by one man, I mean, I I got that bitch up to like a hundred thousand uniques a month. Yeah, with with no like hardcore money invested, just my time, my effort. By when it's all said and done, when I shuttered it in twenty twenty, I think I personally had created almost fifteen thousand fucking pieces of content, and the site died a slow death. And I watched it for almost three years die. And it was, it is, it's because, you know, that's when streaming became the new way to market and sell games. And, and in my opinion, and it's, again, I'm, I'm an old fogey in the gaming space these days. I, c- I, I can't stand most video game personalities, like the popular streamers. They all seem like cocksuckers. They all <laughs> seem like they do the same thing. They all have got their neon lights and they're loud. And, you know, some take the route that Star Wars content creators do where they're just toxic and shitty. It's like, fuck it. I, you know, give me G4 like Nick's saying. I just want to hear some sane people with a little, you know, little little jokes in their in their delivery and and that's it i don't need all the oh you know i'm in my yeah. room and look at my camera and my my twitch my oh <laughs> re- replying the comments and shit you know we do that oh, here yeah. fuck yeah. everyone else but yeah the the new g4 <laughs> i mean it it literally like it, it launched three weeks ago and it's like they have the sets just like old x play they have the sets just like old attack of the show that's good I, and i think that they're in and, and they don't really it's not it is content creator driven, but it's still like, so the shows themselves are still scripted and there's not a lot of like snarky bullshit that you wouldn't like from like streamers or or anything like that now. And they do have new things where they'll have like streamer blocks where it's just like, Hey, two of the hosts are going to like team up in the office and they're just going to do a thing that they want to do together. They're just like creating basically like a new mini show for people to watch. and, And those are cool that's when you get a little bit of the most of the unscripted stuff. And then you get to see a little bit more of their personalities. Um, so overall, I think that if you watch the old G4, uh, there's a lot to enjoy about it, about the new iteration of it, because it's did they, grounded. Did they bring back um, Miss Playboy, Sarah Underwood and they, <laughs> the actress now, Olivia Munn. They did not. So the, um, for they had like this weird last year, they had like this weird like Thanksgiving reunion, which basically announced was that G4 was coming back. And like Olivia was there. Morgan was there. I think Sarah Underwood was there too. So like a lot of the old people were there. Jessica Chobot, Blair Herter. Blair Herter is actually the VP of the network now. Um, So they were all there for that. But now the hosts are locked down. Um, Olivia's not in it. Sarah's not in it. The old, the older guard isn't in it anymore other than Kevin and, and Adam. So um, I would say give it a watch. <sighs> check your check your local listings because it is on linear TV, so regular ass TV. Got it. Um, right. 
But if you don't have cable like feels me, like 2012 all over again. Dude, I know. Dude, I got creeping in. I got excited. I was like, oh, shit, it's coming back. It's coming back. And then like, I mean, I mean I, I'm not going to lie. My, my first E3 as a media member, I, I went as like a goo goo gaga fan. And it was like, oh, oh, there's the G4 booth. I'm up there, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to talk to everyone. Saw some of them at the parties because, you know, I, I had some ins through some other connections. I got to go to some of the cooler after hours shit at E3. But all these people, like back then, they're just personalities. Now, like you say, Blair's running a fucking TV network. It's crazy yeah. how people's how lives kind of go. Come, and then so yeah. I, I look at my life and I'm in a basement talking Star Wars to 15 people. So um, I would recommend for me. <laughs> I would rec- recommend it. Check out the YouTube. Check out the the TV channel right. if you have TV. There you go. And then for Brando out there, has anyone been watching Arcane? Yeah, I on I, Netflix. Nick, I, I've been meaning to ask you because I've I've seen what Brando is saying, kind of stirring around on on Instagram, at least on our feed. Some of the stories, people are like, man, Arcane, what a damn good show. I love that. And I tuned in the first episode. I was like, meh. Meh, it didn't quite snag me in and and you know allow it to roll over and just autoplay the next episode. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not fully out on Arcane. Uh, I know nothing about League. Not that I think it matters, but I don't know that the the pilot did not grab me like it's grabbed some people. Now that could be because I was watching it late at night, and these days because I got to get up and do the school routine with the little one, I I don't I'm not quite coherent. After 11 p.m., you know, I'm dozing in and out on the couch like an old man, but it hasn't quite snagged me. Not like Cowboy Bebop did, which I did finish, and I, I thoroughly, highly recommend the live-action Cowboy Bebop. I, I enjoyed it so much, Nick, that I started watching the fucking anime. It's like, all right, yeah. well, let's see where this this stuff came from. And you know, sure as shit, there are some direct threads from the anime that got covered in the live-action, but I, I thought the live-action was just um, fantastic. So Yeah, I we think just those are watched our, the- the first episode of that so and and we really liked it so we're definitely going to continue um and then yeah arcane you don't need to know league of legends to watch it like because league of legends the game itself has zero lore in it there's none so you're not missing anything if you're not playing the game right. the only thing that you're missing is like not knowing the character names that's yeah, about like it. locations and, and world names, shit like but that. But even you know? like, yeah, even like to a certain degree, you don't even know that through the game. So I would recommend continuing it because it does get better as the show progresses. Um, but yeah, Cowboy Bebop again, like first episode was super strong. So we're going to. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm a that's... fan. I, I, I hope they do another season the way it ends. I'm not going to give a spoiler, but it, it implies that we could be. Uh, getting some more stories and uh, you know I, like I said I'm into the anime now and it's got like 26 episodes so I'm guessing there's more content to to draw from if not just create some additional just new organic stories for the live action but I, I don't know I really enjoyed it it was it's a it was a I think uh, Joe said it best from the live stream last week it, it definitely has a fifth element vibe to it in terms of the world and yes. how the characters kind of dress and some of the music I don't know it just but it's also pretty fucking violent right yeah it's and, very um, violent yeah Faye it's, Valentine is a very interesting and, and sexy character the you, way that you, I put it swing was that like, way it, it's like fifth element mixed with like it's almost like Quentin Tarantino to a degree too. It's like yeah, Tarantino yeah. and fifth element kind of combined together. And it makes yeah. for a really awesome mishmash of this, just like 
kind of genre bending show and I never watched the anime either. So I, I have no idea if there's, you know, crossover threads or like how characters oh, are there, portrayed there's in anime like versus. direct, direct episodes from the anime that were folded into parts of the live action, like full on threads. I mean, the, the pilot, in fact, the, the first episode of live action cowboy directly mirrors the, the main story in the 23 minute, uh, pilot of the anime so okay um no it, it, it's it's good shit it is good shit dick tracy is another yeah i could there's a little dick tracy vibes in cowboy bebop as well good one there brando all right so you know we gave our recommendations on some shit to dick around and that is not star wars related we got the the witchers coming up next friday spider-man next thursday i got my tickets the little one and i we're gonna do a like a 315 screening Hopefully it's not fully packed, but I'm sure there's plenty of other degenerates out there that are oh, going dude. to early I've heard screenings that, like, on Thursday. People are paying like ten thousand dollars, or like people are trying dude, to okay. like scalp them for that much money. Ten she, grand. Humanity is 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 <laughs> fucking dumb as shit. Because I I went. I mean, I believe the tickets went on sale early last week. I didn't get mine till last Friday, and there were hundreds of open seats at my theater for Thursday. Yeah. Hundreds. It's like, what, what are you doing? Like, just wait. I could see where movie theaters might have been kind of gauging demand because that's what my AMC did. I, from one day to the next, I look. They added probably 10 screenings from when, from Thursday when I was looking to Friday. They're like, oh, shit. Yeah, people, people really are going to come see this in droves on Thursday night. So let's kick out all these other dumb fucking movies and just open the whole theater to Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so we, we nailed that down, but, uh, and then hell a week after that, I believe it's the Kingsman prequel and matrix reloaded and shit. I don't know if anyone watched the new matrix trailer that came out yesterday. Holy fuck. Like if you weren't hyped for revolutions or whatever, resurrections after the first trailer, go watch this one. It's crazy. The parallels that they start to draw and you almost, you get a little bit of an idea that, we may be entering into some sort of loop or seeing the loop that, that Neo has been going through. So a lot of good stuff coming up, yeah. just not star Wars related. <laughs> we, we still got like almost three weeks before we get some from uh star Wars. That's yeah, a bummer tones. I, I guess some areas like I could see, uh, I could see UK probably getting locked out cause they probably don't have as many theaters as we do in America, but uh, around me in Columbus, Ohio, which I'm not going to say is a, a huge city, but it is, I believe we're a million population, large city. It's a decent Midwest sized city. And I was able to get them days after. And I, I would contend if I pulled it up right now, I probably could still get tickets for uh, Thursday, which is the, the pre-opening night. Uh, but after that, it, like Friday in the weekend, when, when people are starting to take off for the winter break, it, it's getting crazy. I almost did. I don't know if uh, theaters by you do this, Nick, but AMC does, they're still doing private theater rentals, which they started during the pandemic to make some cash. I think, they uh, do. but they still do it. I could have got a 20 seat theater for myself for $249 to watch Spider-Man. Oh dude, I would have done that. And I would have just been like, Hey, who wants to, yeah, like right get on your, your, your neighborhood text group and be like, Hey, that's come on. I don't really think, and then a 40 person theater goes, I think it's 450 to rent one of those and, and you can watch any new release. You just pay the fucking fee and the theater is yours. And 
I don't think 249 for a, a day one Spider-Man release in your own theater is preposterous at all. Uh-huh. I think it's a I think that's a pretty damn good price, especially like Nick said, you know, con some of your friends in there to 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 chop down the the main expense and you're off to the races. Uh, if I start making a little bit more money than I do, I may just start always doing fucking private rentals. <laughs> like, like, here we go. Here we go, Neo. I'm coming to see you by myself. Yeah. Like, just sitting there in my fat ass. I'll, I can sit in any seat I want. I can move around. I can fart louder than I usually do. Uh, but that that's something I'm definitely going to start looking into a bit more, I think, for these these big releases. Uh, we yeah. sure do have the uh, all the wrenches in here. It's like Gregu said at the beginning. If we're on, the, if you're watching the live stream, which we implore you to do, make sure to subscribe to Star Wars Time Show on YouTube. Just do YouTube.com/slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, but Gregu was saying it, it looks like a toolbox in here, and it does. Yes, lots of blue, does. lots of wrenches. <laughs> so thank you to the super fans for coming out in droves. We speak your names. Hallelujah. Amen. And may the force be with you. All right, man, let's talk some Star Wars. We don't have a ton of stuff to discuss. That's why I don't feel too bad about pissing out some hot air for 37 minutes here. Um, But we did get some new stuff from the Book of Boba cast. Like Nick was saying earlier, uh, a lot of a lot of magazine coverage seems to be the the method of marketing these days for the Book of Boba. There was no new stingers or teasers released since last week. But we did get some articles popping up and, you know, they can't tell you too much, but both Ming-Na Wen and Tamara Morrison gave us some some hints, a little bit, a little bone to chew on in terms of what we should expect with the narrative in the Book of Boba Fett, in particular, how the characters are going to be portrayed. And, you know, Nick and I, we've talked about this for a while. Uh, even last week, we're like, listen, I mean... Boba Fett is not a hero. Uh, he definitely wasn't back in the in the OT, and and really until the second season of the Mandalorian, you didn't know what to think about him. But he yeah. he is someone that believes in a in in a code. He paid off on that belief with Din, helped him get Grogu back, sacrificing himself to ship and Fennec to save the little guy. So we're like, all right, well, who the fuck is Boba gonna be in the book of Boba? Is he going to go back and just be an ass kicker? Is he going to, you know, rule rule with respect like he speaks himself in the full trailer? What type of character could this former bounty hunter be? A ruthless bounty hunter at that. You know, a kick-ass, take-names-later type of character. So, uh, Ming-Na Wen gave us some insights into this, and I, I kind of dig it, and I think it makes perfect sense. Um, so she sat down to talk with D23 magazine and, uh, one of the quotes we got here, uh, kind of focused on how Fennec and Boba's relationship and new partnership will be portrayed in the series, in the series. And she went on to say, (laughs) not with the mouth gas, but well, there's a partnership between the two of them, Fennec and Boba Fett, for sure. They're bonded by the fact that they both lived through a near-death experience, and there is a sense of code that they abide by. See, I'm trying something new for our female <laughs> voices, we think. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ming-Na uh, Wen might have a deeper voice than me, though. Like she, has a, <laughs> she has a very... <laughs> yeah, it, it is a very stoic-sounding voice, but I just, uh, yeah. you know, I had to, had to change it up a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, they're... What she's saying there is like, listen, 
they they have a partnership, but there's also a bond. It's not just like uh, you know partnerships that Boba Fett used to have with with Bosk or Valance, where he'd be like, "Oh yeah, we're partners until I don't need you anymore," and then I'm gonna toss a fucking thermal detonator at your chest and explode it. Yeah, all right. That's what he did to our man Valance, and then the War of the Bounty Hunters series that was excellent. Uh, but she's saying like, listen, you know, we're, we're more than this. And that's because we both have come back from a near death experience. And of course that, that code that we know this archetype lives by through star Wars stories themselves. I mean, we saw Boba honor the code in war of the bounty hunters where he, he could have killed Chewbacca. I mean, he could have killed Chewbacca, Leia and Lando easy peasy. Yeah. But he's like, listen, I'm not after you guys. I got, I, got a, I got a bounty that I have to follow up on. That's all I care about. Sorry for lighting you on fire, you walking carpet, but I'm out. I got to get fucking Han Solo back. I don't care. There's that code. Uh, like I said in The Mandalorian Season 2, he's like, listen, motherfucker, you gave me my armor back. We lost your kid in the process. We are now in debt to you, and we will pay off that debt and help you get Grogu back. So, yeah, that, that code is strong with bounty hunters and yeah, we, we kind of got that a little bit in what the first season of mandalorian too right especially with fennec as well i mean she mentioned you know they're bonded after they both lived through near-death experiences and for fennec her near-death experience was was saved by boba fett so in a like to a degree she kind of has a life debt with boba yep. similar to how chewie has a life debt with han so uh, those 100%. two are, are are linked for the long term, it seems. I don't know, man. I, I was reading this. I was, I was like, I, she almost makes it sound like they, they, you know, they may give each other a reach around every once in a while <laughs> in that top tower of Jabba's castle. You know, they, hey. they got to release stress somehow. You know, Boba always looks super serious. She's always looked super serious outside of that time. She got that that bottle of, uh, what is it? Spotchka, Spotchka yeah. after they just murdered a bunch of people in the palace. <laughs> and she kind of sits on, sits on the arm with her leg up and she's drinking, looking a little relaxed. I don't know. What do you think? You think these two might, might give each other some sexual release every once in a while? I think, I think that could be possible. <laughs> I mean, you know, Boba was a very, but I, you know, you know, Boba, like he messed around with those Twi'lek, uh, dancers at Jabba's palace. So, you know, yeah, you see, you're right. I mean, Boba, he's, we, we never really saw what, what Django got into his dad, but you gotta, you gotta figure he's a, he's a strong mang, right? Yeah. He's a, he's a mangly mang. So he, he's probably feeling that testosterone brewing down there every once in a while. And like you said, he's sitting there, you know, tickling the chins of, of alien females in, in Jabba's palace and Jedi. So, I don't think he's asexual. You know, I think there's something going on down there. His his radar might go off every once in a while. But and, and we could talk about this more when we discuss Tamara's interview. But he does hint. He's like, you know, me personally, I feel like we might have been exposing too much of Boba Fett and, and ruining a bit of the mystique that has been created around the character. And the fact that he never talked that much or never felt like he had a personality. So it does sound like they are going to expose more of the man behind the mask in the book of Boba Fett. And I, for one, I'm all for it. I don't. Yeah. How can you ruin a character that had only four minutes of screen time <laughs> and like two lines? I mean, yeah, 
we get the mystique that fans have kind of built up around the character through EU content and now these days comic books. But I think it'd be good. I mean, did we not like even the little bit of character we got from Boba in the Mandalorian season two? Oh yeah. I'm just, just seeing him, just seeing him kick fucking ass showed more character than we got in the original trilogy. And then, you know, his, his little joke in episode seven, where he's like, Hey, I think the Eponite, I think the empire will recognize my face. You know, that he was, he was dropping some little zingers here and there and, you know, getting pissy with the night owls in, in episode eight. Um, so I, you know, I think we've gotten a little bit what the guy is, but it sounds like we're going to get a lot more, but more on that coming up. So back to Ming Na and, you know, even though Boba and Fennec did some heroic things in Mandalorian season two, she's warning us that they have not made a full turn to be a, a baby face. If we're talking wrestler lingo here, right? You got your baby faces in the heels. Um, they're, they're, let's just say they're not going to pull a Luke Skywalker in the book of Boba Fett. She says, so it, so it's going to be really interesting to see how their dynamics grow in the book of Boba Fett. I think that's all I can say. The rest is, you have to watch. Not that they're <laughs> bad guys. They're not that good either. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this kind of goes right into the, the next line where she basically says that they're anti-heroes. And I think that's a good way to describe Boba. Even in new Boba, I will say. You know, old Boba from the original trilogy was not really, he was a villain. Like, there was no other way that you could really look at him because he had done nothing heroic or even close to, like, even acted like an anti-hero. He was just, he was just like a villain or a crony is the best way that you could describe him. He was, I mean, let's be real. When when we first saw him in the OT, he was 100% a bad fucking dude. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he got called to Darth Vader's ship. Yeah, and do he some was work. So you you don't you don't put the you're like okay yeah, Darth <laughs> Vader anti-hero. Boba Fett equals bad. Yes, yeah. this is a bad guy. Yeah. So the fact that 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 she's described them now as antiheroes is interesting because antiheroes you can like the best the best portrayal of an antihero that that's probably pop culturally re- re- relevant now is Deadpool because he is a hero like he fights generally that's a good for point. for good. But he is just like he has none of the conventions that a typical hero has. He's not like this stand up, courageous, like symbol, like, you know, symbol of of good that you would see out of somebody like like the he's Avengers, no like Iron Man, he's not, Superman. Yeah, he's yeah. Not sitting there with his chest popped out. Captain like, America. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But he's an he's an asshole, but he generally fights for good. So the fact that that she's called them anti-heroes is interesting because that could mean that they are swing you know maybe they are playing in the gray a little bit more instead of just being like straight up oh yeah we'll just kill anybody for money um maybe they are kind of skewing a little bit more towards the neutral slash good side of things after their their near-death experiences so um i think that could be interesting to see how that not necessarily the dynamic between them shifts, but the dynamic between them and the rest of the galaxy. Because I think that a lot of people are going to, you know, once they hear that Boba's taking over Jabba's palace and and everything like that, they're going to immediately think that like, oh yeah, he's good. Now he's going to, 
he's a bounty, you know, he's going to run his own bounty hunter syndicate. He's going to be the, the same guy that we knew last time. Like we'll be able to hire him out or his people out to go do all these things. So I'm very interested how they're going to like change the dynamic of Boba and the people that he's already familiar with. Yeah, because she says, like Nick said, we are the anti-hero. I like play. I like playing an anti-hero. I gotta keep forgetting. I gotta go to my female voice. You get away with more, I think. So you get away with more, I think. And and she's she's right. And Nick Nick's Deadpool example is is perfect of an anti-hero. Uh, I mean, the guy is is off his rocker. I mean, that's why the X Men were hesitant to let him in because he he would do anything to get the job done, even if it meant you know, wiping out a bus full of kids. Like, all right, well, I, I still did what you asked me to do, but yeah. you know, there might've been a little more collateral, collateral. damage than you, <laughs> exactly. than you prefer to have. And, and I think that, I mean, let, let's be real. They're, they're bounty hunters and assassins by trade. So th- they've always been operating in the gray as Nick explained. So, you know, I, anti-hero to me is just like, they're, they're slightly better than, a full-on shithead right? yeah. like they, they have some good intentions they have some good thoughts but they're also not afraid to rack up a body count to kind of get to where they need to need yeah. to go to get to do their, the right thing yeah to get their, their they're I, I they're, they're probably not as hardcore with this mantra as say a peacemaker right from suicide squad who yes you know his whole thing is like i'll kill everyone in the name of peace. Like he, he was ready to kill kids, everything. It doesn't matter. As long as it can lead to his vision of peace, it's, it's acceptable. But I think they're right behind him in that. And, and they'll definitely have no qualms killing uh, bad guys or other people that operate in the gray. And I think yeah. that's where most of their killing is going to come. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So um, Good little bit of insight there for Ming-Na and kind of talking about how the character dynamics between those two can shift. And um, it should make for a very interesting beginning of the season because I think it would have been super easy for, you know, LFL, Disney to kind of pick up and just play him as a bounty hunter again. Like just kind of, you know, polish off the armor go back to what he was known for and what his father was known for before that and just continue on in the bounty hunting. But the fact that that he is kind of making this, it seems like a lifestyle change, for lack of a better term. Uh, is, yeah, you're it's, right. It's going to make the first few episodes interesting. And you'll see kind of, what we'll probably see is, you know, old relationships devolve because they're expecting, oh, Boba's back. Let's get the old point. crew back together. Let's see. Yep. Let's let's get out on the streets again and 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 cause some mayhem, and and then Boba may have a little bit of a different idea of how he wants to do things now. So seeing those old uh, those old friendships with this new dynamic could be very interesting. No, you're right. It is going to be a the most unique take on the character, and and we'll get into that more coming up. Well, really coming up next once I'm done making a point here, but. Uh, like Nick said, if they were just brought into this show and they're just going to continue as bounty hunters, it, it would have been kind of boring. Even if, even if they brought in this show and they were going to continue on the supposed good guy, good girl reformation project where they, they were only looking to do righteousness only to do good. I, I, that wouldn't have felt right either. So yeah. what we're hearing from Ming Na that, you know, they're, 
they're still going to have a toe in their former life because of what they're trying to do. I mean, they are working in the criminal underworld, but they may also be uh, kind of uh, showcasing some of the life lessons they learned during their near-death experiences and that, you know, it doesn't always pay to be a, a you know, kind of an, an operative of mayhem. Yeah. You know, you know sometimes talking out a situation or maybe working with a past enemy may be the better solution versus just guns ablazins and gaffy sticks smacking. So, I, hey, one thing I think, and, and I'll take the blame for this because I've done more of the, the lore research on Crimson Dawn and more of the bunny, bounty hunters and whatnot, but, dude, is the Athorian and his gang, or is the big bad, or could the big bad be fucking Kira? Dude, I mean, like, that's a good, it's a good question, because I mean, even the, what, what, what were we calling the guys last week? The Maroon Goons. Yeah. Maroon is a shade of Crimson. Crimson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you read War of the Bounty Hunters, there is a hugely unresolved plot thread, and that is Boba Fett's hatred for Kira. Yeah. The moment he, f- he realizes she's the one that stole Han, he pledges to himself, I am going to kill this person. So what better threat to Boba and him trying to start his own criminal syndicate than Crimson Dawn, which we know through War of the Bounty Hunters, is resurging in power right, you know, only, what, seven or eight years prior to the book of Boba Fett. And they're mixed up in the Empire. They're going to be mixed up in the Remnant. They very well could be mixed up in the First Order. So I don't know why it's taken me this long to kind of come around to it. But could the oh-fuck moment of Book of Boba Fett be the return of Kira or at least Crimson Dawn to live-action Star Wars? I, I mean, I would love that. I think that... At the very least, I think that Crimson Dawn can play a big role, even if Kira they isn't the main they figurehead. Yeah, because right. Star Wars in general has dedicated so much resources to the to basically building out this friend or this Bro, faction. I mean, like the whole the whole point of War of the Bounty Hunters, outside of making Boba a badass in the OT, was to bring Crimson Dawn, in particular Kira, back into the main narrative. Yeah. You and know, then, fuck whatever they're going to do in Solo. They interjected right in. And now I think it's coming out next week. We're going to get the first run of, of Crimson Rain, which is going to just tell more of their tale and how they're trying to infiltrate the galaxy. And then after that, I believe it's uh, the Hidden Empire run, which also deals with Crimson Dawn. So it does seem like all wings of, of the, the Lucasfilm storytelling group are kind of converging to really uh, thrust the Crimson Dawn narrative into future Star Wars tales, timelines, yeah. so on. I mean, we so also forth. had that, that rumor of the Crimson Dawn animated series that, that could be coming out as well. So there's a lot there. There's unresolved character lines like we've been talking about with Solo that you could draw all the way through into the current timeline. I mean, we, you know... At a certain point, we assumed that Kira was dead. You know, like we we all kind of went into Solo and we're like, well, you know, Kira can't hang around for too long because if there was this relationship with Han and, and everything like that, then then we probably would have seen her in the OT. And obviously, you know, 
can't go in and retcon the OT because of a character that you created after it. But that doesn't mean that that character has to be, you know, axed essentially right after the, the movie comes out. So I think it would be really cool if they did bring her in. I, I mean, Amelia Clark has done essentially nothing after Solo and, and you know, Game of Thrones wrapped up. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if she's just taking a hiatus from work um, after having a, a really long series run with with i mean she had she had like a couple rom-coms and then i think she's gone the way of any other star that was prominently featured on a major show they just they kind of fade into the the, yeah yeah, the 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 typecasting thing happens fair or not fair and there you go you become hayden christensen yeah you're just going to outdoors farmers markets and people are taking (laughs) pictures of you to see if you're getting buff i mean she buff again it would be the perfect it would kind of be the perfect interjection into the series. She doesn't even have know, to be man. a main player. Like she could, she could literally show Correct. up as the, you know, halfway through the series towards the end of the series and literally say like, Hey, I'm the leader of Crimson Dawn. Now this is my faction. And then, yeah, maybe the Ithorian works for, her. he's one of her captains. There you go. Or okay. Like that. So, and, and you know, let's kind of put all the dots together here. Uh, the the Athorian we knew about months ago, it's been confirmed. So I, I tend to believe this report now that was saying like, listen, Boba Fett and his faction gets mixed up with this hammerhead and his faction. They fuck with each other, but then ultimately they realize they need to work together against a bigger threat. What bigger threat could there be to the to Tatooine's criminal underworld? Than Crimson fucking Dawn, who essentially at this point in the timeline, based on what we've seen in the comics and what they're pitching for future uh, Crimson comics, they're they are going to be the king and queen pins of the Star Wars underworld at this point in time, especially if you account for the fact that the Huts get wiped out in War of the Bounty Hunters and then Jabba the last one gets killed in Return of the Jedi. So it it only makes sense that once they hear that a Boba Fett has returned and he's trying to claim Hutt's, Jabba's, you know, uh, former empire, fuck yeah, they're going to show up and want to see what's going on. So I I don't know why it's taken me this long to figure it out. All I ask all of you of SWTS Nation, now that you've heard me lay down the gospel, if it comes true, I want one of the biggest ticker <laughs> tape parades online that has ever happened. There you go. I want everyone to celebrate me, maybe a little praise, maybe doing some of these, like, oh, man. You know, like, you know what I want? I want what the Ewoks did to C-3PO in Return of the Jedi, Okay. I want you motherfuckers to levitate me in a wooden chair and, and do a chant like, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. All right. You heard it here <laughs> first. I'm going with it. I think Nick may have something too. Maybe the Athorians connected to Crimson Dawn or, you know, maybe he's not. But I, I just, I have a feeling Crimson Dawn is going to be a huge player in the book of Boba Fett. And you got to remember that this guy swore to kill Kira around the time of Empire Strikes Back leading into Return of the Jedi, which isn't too far back. I mean, we're, we're talking maybe eight years, like I said. Yeah. And I don't think someone like Boba Fett probably forgives a grudge like that because he, he took it as an affront to his code. Han Solo and Carbonite was his bounty. He claimed it. He was going to deliver it. She stole him. 
made him do all this extra shit, beat up most of his bounty hunter friends. He's he's still going to have a chip on his shoulder, I believe. So here we go. Here we go. So maybe the Maroon Goons, after all, do have a tie to Crimson Dawn. Maybe the Athorian does, but I, I just feel like this is it. I've got it all figured out now. Thank you. You can uh, leave your donations in the can at the door. Um, sticking with our buddy Boba, he seems to be everyone's friend these, these days because that's really all we have to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> Nick and I were talking. We we're like, man, 2021 was rough, uh, just in terms of listenership and and you know kind of how people have dropped off or tuned us out and it's like you know what it does kind of make sense because like nick said outside of bad batch and visions which are and he he explained it perfectly they're they're fringe type of stuff as great as bad batch is even diehards weren't that taken by it me yes because i'm a nut but i mean I, i saw it on instagram like oh you know Bad Batch, cool. I'll watch it when I watch it, or I don't even care about Bad Batch spoilers. So you could kind of get the sense that it it didn't quite, you know, wrap people up like a live action Mando would. Uh, yeah. So 2021 was it, it was rough to talk about Star Wars content because there wasn't much. Yeah, as uh, content so creators for Star Wars, <laughs> we were literally like, man, did you hear about this delay? Did you see yeah. this grainy picture of what looks like a... <laughs> this asshole content creator who pulled something out of his butt and threw it at a wall and you know said he this was wrong thing it's probably not true yeah it's man wrong. <laughs> we're all so hyped up for this disney plus day because everybody's telling us there's gonna be all this yeah. star wars shit oh and wait then, there was no star wars stuff <laughs> i mean that was a, like disney plus day 2021 was essentially what star wars was in yeah. 2021 just a lot to of expectation just not and then a, a kick in the balls. That's what yeah. it was. You know, a lot of hype and then a kick to the dick. I mean, it, it, it was terrible. It was like, it has to be, you know, Nick and I are talking about doing like an end of a year type of deal, either first week of 22 or, or last. I haven't figured if I want to do a show uh, the week of Book of Boba. Um, but maybe that should go on our, our, our top moments of, of Star Wars in 2021. Yeah, it's the the Disney Plus day kicking the nuts. Yeah, just, there you go. Just the fucking fail, like the epic <laughs> fail of that, and and how excited. Dude, I mean, it's like the I, best I thing to on do. A, I worked on a day off <laughs> to get ready for this day, and it never happened. We got uh, a one year old sizzler for Kenobi, where they're like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be fucking awesome." Hayden's coming back. Like, no shit. You told us this last year. Yeah, dude, it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I, I just like the best thing to do is just like go back and look at all like the leaker content leading up to Disney Plus Day. It's like trailer for this, sizzle for that, trailer, trailer. We're going to get a fucking new this, this, this. And just look at all of it and then finally get down to Disney Plus Day and watch Disney Plus Day and just realize how full of shit they all were. And like yeah. how it was clear that they were making stuff up. Like you can say as much as you want that like they got wrong information from whoever, unless those people were literally pulling a practical joke on all the leakers, they lie. Like they just straight up made it up. Well, Nick, I I know you don't dive too deep into it, but that was one of the conspiracy theories that it was a trick to try to out some of the sources at Lucasfilm that are leaking shit to the leakers. So (laughs) 
Who knows? But I, I remember when when I was hyping it, uh, I, I was like, and it was more speculation because I was just like, hey, hello, McFly, common sense. Yeah, they're going to talk about some Star Wars stuff at a Disney Plus, the first ever Disney Plus day. And sure shit, I was wrong on that one, too. But I do not think I'm wrong on my Crimson Dawn prediction for the book of Boba Fett. You heard it here first. Take it to the bank. If our channel was big enough, someone could clip it right now and share it to the world, but I know it is going to happen. There's just too many pieces moving in the Lucasfilm narrative world to not propel Crimson Dawn onto the screen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. All right, let's get back to our boy, Mr. Fett, the scion of Django. Uh, so we got another magazine article to talk about. I know, whoop-de-doo, no moving images, nothing to really uh, concrete to kind of latch on and speculate on. But uh, we did get some decent quotes from uh, Boba himself, Mr. Tamara Morrison, who, uh, I don't know if anyone saw it, but he was looking pretty damn good in that Columbia Book of Boba Fett gear that he was wearing and trying to sell. And I think he signed a few pieces for charity which, by the way, I don't know if anyone tried for it. I ta- we talked about it last week, I think. Those Columbia pieces, I believe, sold out within an hour. Okay? Yeah. So if you thought I was a jerk-off for bringing it up and getting excited about it, I wasn't the only one. I mean, I, I thought if I got up at 6 a.m., I could still maybe get the hoodie. No fucking chance. I blew that one. I mean, everything was sold out but the T-shirt. And as Nick said, I believe the T-shirt's still in stock which makes sense, uh, but it's really only in kid sizes or little sizes or super fat sizes, right? Yeah, it's, it's the t-shirt is not in large, but it's in small, medium, I think. All so right, perfect for if, medium if, crowd. Yeah, if you are one of the, the shmediums, then you can get yours out there too. And they have the, the woman's, the women's uh, jacket, the interchangeable jacket for $450. Ah, there you go. Um, hold on, hold on. Brando, Brando's saying that the Meg, who, you know, I kind of put in the Mike Zero territory sometimes, gave us props for a leak we had. So, hey, I'll no, take it. No, I didn't. I don't know who Not the that, Meg is, but... The I, Meg's hey. another... The Meg's another big channel that, that gets a lot of heat for putting out some controversial takes on stuff like yeah Yeah. cat you know like yeah this is gonna happen these these people are getting fired this that and the other thing i'm not gonna comment any further i i really don't get mixed up in that that content these days too much but hey if she shouted us out we now love it and we support whatever shit she puts on her channel that's how we are if we're like boba fett and fennec If you do you, you a right be, by us, then... Yeah, you, you're, you're good. Wrong. I don't care what shady shit you've done in the past, but if you do us right, we're, we're friends. We're, <laughs> so we're, we're okay we're, with it. Yeah, we, we have a partnership now. Now, hey, it was nice. there was a few weeks back where I, you know, I was getting on the Making Star Wars show, and then I had the one bad call on the strike, and now I've been blackballed from that circle, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. One of these days, we will break through and at least get to 1,000 subs on the channel. Can we try to do that, by the way? 1,000 subs on the, you know, on the tube? On our tube. Like, we've been going for oh, what, almost three years now and don't have a fucking 1,000 subs on YouTube. That is, that is pathetic. And for me, like, I'm not yelling at you guys. I'm just asking for help at this point. Can we, can we get that over a thousand somehow? Can people pump it on their Instagrams? Like, Hey, get these jerk offs to a thousand. So the, the short one shuts the fuck up. Something like that. Like, you know what you want me to do a show and I'll, I'll shave my nipples. I'll do something, but <laughs> l- let's get this thing to a thousand. Cause 
I saw a community member, love the guy, like his work. We've had him on the top five, Kiko Collects. He started a channel a year ago, has 2,000 fucking subscribers, and he talks about one-six scale figures. All right? Again, that, that's not good for him. All, all the love to people that create content and, and get an audience, but like, maybe send us feedback. What, what are we doing wrong? Where, where is the, the growth go? Where, why don't people want to love us? Please love us. <laughs> I beg of you. But no, seriously, send feedback. Tell us we blow. Tell us what we do wrong. Tell us what we do right. We, you know, we, we live to serve. Okay. But anyways, I, thank you for that, Brando. I never, never heard of that before. I, I figured we're just as obscure as it gets and we can pretty much say or do whatever we want and no one's ever going to find out because no one listens, right? If a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to hear it, did it really fall? That's that's the mantra of the Star Wars time show. <laughs> All right, man, let's get to Morrison's quotes here. Um, he uh, he kind of teases at the Book of Boba Fett, not that this should be a surprise, but he's teasing that it's going to answer many, not just a few, but many questions about Fett's post-Sarlacc pit life. Um, um, Ming-Na, she had another quote in this and she's like, yeah, the show is going to dive more into the life of bounty hunters, which, you know, Nick was kind of talking about. Uh, we got a tease of that in like the first three episodes of the Mandalorian. And then it became a, a hero's journey type of show. Uh, but we did get a little bit uh, of the life of what being a bounty hunter in Star Wars was, especially the first episode. I mean, that, that whole first episode of the Mandalorian season one was nothing but what it was like to be in the bounty hunter guild. Um, so I dig that. I want to see more of that world. You know, I, I would like to see cardboard maybe make an appearance either in a flashback or in the present timeline. You know, he's, I know he's kind of a magistrate now, but he, yeah. he was a big player in, in the bounty hunter, bounty hunter verse back in the day. Uh, I, I think that line more or less confirms that, yeah, we're going to see probably some of the other big name bounty hunters, which shouldn't be a super surprise. Uh, you know, there, there's been rumors for maybe even a year now that Black Kershistan might make an appearance. You know, you always got Bosk. You know, maybe someone will, will dig up IG-88's fucking frame <laughs> from wherever Darth Vader left it. Uh, you know, you got Zuckus Forlom potentially could could show up in there. So I, I'm interested definitely to get a little more of that that bounty hunter insight. Yeah. But then what, what uh, Tamara goes into here. Oh, I'm sorry. This is still Ming-Na. And I'll spare you the, the female voice here, but because this is a long quote. So she says that the series will delve into the relationship between Boba and Fennec. See, I'm telling you, they're hooking up behind the scenes. Before all their armor goes on, which they never take off, apparently, they're, they're, they're you know, they're getting a little, getting a little yeah. hanky-panky going on in that, in that tower we've seen at Jabba's Palace. So here's what she says. In the book of Boba Fett, there will be a lot of exploration of the dynamics between Boba Fett and Fennec Shand, how they complement each other and what they get out of that relationship. He's someone she respects and they have definitely bonded with him saving her, as in they've definitely did the old in out in out. It allowed her to realize that she might be better off not being solo anymore. She sees her alliance with Boba Fett as a very smart move in the sense that she'll have somebody watching her back. And even though it might be an extra baggage to have to align herself with someone else, the reward for her at the moment is greater. 
And you know, Boba died, or we thought he did, in the Sarlacc pit. So I think that both of them share those near-death experiences in common. They both have a vulnerability that they understand. Vulnerability between two people usually <laughs> means sex, all right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You think we're going to get the first... I'm shipping these motherfuckers. The first on-screen... You know, Fennec Fett, whatever you want to call it. They've been shipped on the Star Wars time show. We got to come up with their name. Boba Shand. I don't know what what, what works here. Uh, Fennec Fett. Fen Fett. Something like that. Bo Shand (laughs) is probably the best one. Yeah. Bo Finn. I don't know. But either. Do you think we're going to get the first on-screen sex scene of Star Wars history between these two characters? Is that what's going to happen here? We're going to get that breakdown. I I hope not because let's, you know, we were talking about this last week. There's just something about these shows where it doesn't seem natural to see people having sex. Like in the Eternals, like Eternals, two beautiful people, beautiful people get it on and it didn't feel like it fit. It just didn't feel like it was needed. It was a little like, okay, all right, well, that's cool. I mean, I like seeing naked people, especially when they're beautiful, but. It just didn't seem right. And and as much as I'd love to see like a Slave Leia get naked, I don't think it would feel right to watch Star Wars characters banging on screen. Does yeah, I know, right? It's al- it's almost like now that we've <laughs> like in the in the future or the distant past, as we uh learn every time a Star Wars movie comes on Galaxy Far, Far Away a long time ago. Um Maybe their sexual reproduction was just done. We didn't do that anymore. Sex was not the the main way of procreation. <laughs> Maybe there was like a there was like a a, a galactic wide STD that was very easily transmissible, <laughs> and, and so that's why that's why you never see intimacy outside of uh, brother yeah. sister kisses and stuff like that. That's right. So, just little smooches. That that's yeah, about. Just, I think all Star Wars needs to take their their. Uh, relationships too i mean don't give me I'd, I'd even like to see ming na wen get a little a little nude but i still don't think it would be normal to see on screen in a star wars show i just nah, don't it's weird it's too star wars and marvel are way too i don't want to say sterile but they're just way more focused on like a an action adventure atmosphere than it is yeah. like a, an intimacy between the characters and You're they right. And like they they show intimacy between characters in different ways. And I think like the the best way that we've ever seen that done was with was definitely Han and Leia in the OT. And like you never saw a, you know, like aside from like one, two kisses, like there was never a very intimate. No, I mean, dude, he's, he's essentially sexually harassing her for <laughs> most of A New Hope and and uh, Empire Strikes Empire, Back. Yeah. And it's it's not until he, you know, more or less rapes her in the hallway that she's like, hey, you know what? I do dig this guy. And then obviously yes. we get the love, love lines at, yeah. at, at, at in Cloud City. And then Cloud you realize City. like, yeah, she she loves him just as much as he loves her. And then he gets the jealousy when he's like, oh, you and Luke, huh? At the Yeah. Of, he's like, oh, OK, I get it. I get him go pout and jerk myself off now that Luke is the hero. And she's like, no, dummy. We were just getting into some casual incest before. Now that I know he is my brother, I definitely <laughs> no don't want to touch his wee wee. No so now my that. heart is only for you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we're fucked up. 
All right. Um, all right. I got some, I got to hit up one six shooter. He's got some advice for the show. I will take it from him because he is, he is a YouTuber himself. Uh, all right. So yeah, I mean, they're clearly Fennec and Boba. The, the, even just their dynamic is going to be interesting in Book of Boba. Because, uh, you know, they got this bond, this relationship, but they're also coming from a lone wolf lifestyle, which, you know, could add some interesting hijinks into uh, their their dynamics and kind of how they, they deal with whatever is thrown at them in the show. Yeah. Um, this one, I don't really want to get into it because it is what it is. Listen, uh, th- this article went on to report that the Slave One has been rebranded as its model name which is the fire spray. So just like Din ship was called the razor crest. That was a model, uh, for the most part ships are referred to their model name in star Wars outside of the Falcon. Falcon. I mean, really? Yeah. Or the Falcon is like, I mean, if, if that was its motto, it would be what? Like the Y, Y three, 1000 or something, (laughs) something like that. Um, and I just, I want to say, it's not clear if that's how it will be referred to in the show. If the name is spoken, um, but again, this is being done for toy making. I know a lot of people, my generation are upset at this cause it's not called slave one. And you know, they're pulling out the, the, the PC card and whatnot, but fire spray is not a bad name to slap on a toy box for a kid to ask for and say, Hey mom, give me that slave ship. And listen, I, <laughs> I don't get tied up in that PC stuff. I actually dislike political correctness for the most part. But I'm also someone that's not going to waste an ounce of my energy getting upset that the Slave One may be referred to sometimes as the fire spray. Fire spray, right? yeah. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I know, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't care. <laughs> what it's it's always going to be a Slave One to us. It's the yeah. Slave One in the universe. Who cares? It, it's but really that's the thing is shit. like I don't even think they probably won't even say the name of. I don't even think they that, ever said Slave One. You're correct. And I it's, think it's that it's never they, no. Yeah, it's never been referred to as a Slave One on screen. Yeah, and I don't think that they're going to call it the Fire Spray either. Like they're just not going to call it my anything. There's like, like all right, let's get to ship. the ship. Like they say yeah. in every fucking thing else, let's get to the ship. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. weird. They they did they did make a point to always name the Razor Crest the Razor Crest, but I think it was because it was a novelty, right? It was a yeah. leftover from the Clone Wars era. Uh, people hadn't seen many models, so when they would see it, they'd be like, "Oh, a Razor Crest! Razor Crest like, what the yeah. fuck is that?" So, yep, yep. Um, and then it got its ass blown up. So you're <laughs> better not to have a name, anyways, or you're, you'll get wasted. Uh, all right, so here's Tamara's offering up. So it, he kind of gave us some quotes on how Boba's mystique <coughs> will be handled and if he will remain as a very mysterious character like he's been um, for all of these years here. Um, and I kind of teased it earlier. It, it sounded like Morrison in the article felt like they were pushing the envelope too much at times. So that that's interesting to see. Like the, the, the actor of the character it was almost pushing back on the writers like, Oh, should we, should we be showing this much of Boba Fett's personality? You know, shouldn't we keep him as this mystical ass kicker? Um, but he went on to say here, you know, he, he ultimately trusts the team. So here's the quote. Yes. And that's where we kind of opened up too much of the can at times, I think. So watch out Boba Fett fans. I mean, he may, you know, do a song and dance and you may go like, Oh shit, this guy's kind of a douchebag. He's not this just badass lone wolf that we always thought he was. But he went on to say, I did have my reservations, but hey, 
I trust the people I work with. I was so lucky I had people like Dave Filoni who has an ability to connect some of the dots, some of the ancient dots. Let's focus. Let's come back to that. (laughs) And to keep that authenticity. I relied on him a lot because I'm not one of these actors that reads every comic book and every bounty hunter book. What do you think? I guess, Nick, what would be too, too much of the can to you in a portrayal of Boba Fett? Like, what do you think they asked Tem to do that he was like, oh, really? Should we be doing this? Should, should this character be doing this? Is yeah, it like I mean, that's a puppy dog. Is it like holding a little baby? I mean, what, what are we talking about? I mean, I think that general like it, it may harken back to what we were just talking about, which was just like general intimacy for that character at all. Like we've we've never seen him. I mean, obviously, we, we haven't seen Boba Fett do much. I mean, let's just be honest. But like we've never seen him actually, you know, as a friend to somebody. We've never really seen him yeah. get close, like even in the Mandalorian season two, I wouldn't even say that he was like, you know, he, he kind of got friendly with Din towards the end. But I think that like showing vulnerability, especially around Fennec is probably what yes. he's talking about. I, it's like this, this yep. character has never been vulnerable. Even, you know, when we saw him with the, the Tuscans, even when we saw him, you know, pre getting his armor back, everything like that. He like he was never like a vulnerable person. So if they do have like vulnerable moments between him and Fennec, then that's kind of peeling back a curtain that we had never seen behind before with Boba. And that could be kind of uncomfortable, especially for Tem uh, in the way that he's always viewed the character. He's always viewed the character as like this strong man. This, you know, this, yeah. this kind well, of, I mean, that, shield up that's all we've had to work with. I mean, yeah. you gotta remember, Tem is working from a normal person's perspective on Star Wars. He's not like us. He says it right here in this, in this quote, I don't read every comic in every bounty hunter book. Yeah. And, and he, he, he's on the record saying like, listen, I'm glad we're getting to do this. Cause, cause Boba Fett was a, was a putz. He was a pud. He was a bozo. As I have explained multiple times. Barely on screen, barely said anything, and didn't even do anything. I mean, he didn't. He didn't really catch Han Solo. I mean, that was that was all set up by the Empire. They're the ones that came into Cloud City and kind of helped with all that shit and shoved them in the thing and handed them right to Boba Fett on a platter. And then let's not even talk about what the hell he did in Return of the Jedi. I mean, he's sitting there getting hard ons, playing with alien girls, and then gets. Uh, like a buffoon gets his jet pack <laughs> fired up and he li- literally goes, <laughs> it was crashes yeah. and falls into a pit. I mean, he looked like a jerk off. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's right. And you know, I guess Tem felt like, you know what, based on what I know, are we pushing this character too much to actually feel like it has emotions feelings so on yeah. and so forth and um I don't, i'm excited for that i i've i was one of the biggest boba fett shitheads out there i mean everyone will, will probably remember the infamous episode after the tython return where you know i i literally opened the mic screaming at people yeah over boba fett <laughs> and everyone like see we told you he was awesome it's like fuck what do you mean 
what do you mean you told me? I know what my eyes saw, and he was not awesome. Yeah, he looked like a badass, but he didn't, he didn't do anything that was badass in nature. But then when I, when I saw what he was doing in Mando S2, I was like, whoa, okay. I can get into this version of the character, and I can't wait to see the future growth of the character in Book of Boba, and it sounds like we're going to get a lot of it. Uh, maybe too much for some fans. It, it at least was for Tim, but again, he said, you know, he did his in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and he's like, listen, who the fuck am I? Dave Filoni, he is the chief creative officer. He's connecting ancient dots. He's got the authenticity. I'm just going to show up and deliver. I got to trust that guy. Yeah. All right? And we all trust Dave. He's earned say, our trust. There's so, little more. There's no other person that you should trust more with Star Wars right now than, than Dave himself or Dave. Nick, I want to I pick your brain on when he says some of the ancient dots. Yeah. This could be going back into like the history of, of Mandalore, okay. and, history and of Mandalorians. Now, do you think it's going to be kind of told from the perspective of, of his father who has that steep history with the Mandalorian culture? I would have. Because I, I know everyone, everyone still wants to make Boba Fett a Mandalorian, even though in the Mandalorian season two, he says, I'm not a Mandalorian himself. Yeah. I mean, he, Boba Fett's on the record saying, listen, fuckers. I'm not one of you. I'm not a part of the culture. Never was, never will be. I just wear this armor because my fucking clone daddy left it for me. Well, yeah. died in it for me. That, yeah. <laughs> it's a better way. So it, it's hard because if you think about Boba Fett and just terms of like bounty hunter, like of what he is, he's a clone, he's a bounty hunter, he's potentially a new criminal syndicate you know, person, like runs his own syndicate can't really go ancient in a lot of those directions obviously you can go back in time there's bounty hunters there forever but like what what history is there to dig into what what is there for bounty hunters in the distant past that's like different than what it is now you know it, so i think that i mean maybe it will be just like exploring his his upbringing and his father's life a little bit yes. more and that's that's some of the ancient dots he's talking about because okay. one thing that we've never like he has a reverence for his father it's very clear it's very clear from mando season two when he brings up yeah. the chain code and everything like that and you know even though he doesn't well, well, identify that, that's why i wanted i wanted to focus on that nick do you think the chain code could be the impetus for some of these ancient dots to kind of come out in the book of boba fett I think so. You know, I, I just, whenever I think about that scene now, I just laugh because of all the fantastic memes people made. Where it's like, I'm Boba, this is my, this is my father, Django Fett. He like pulls up the thing and is like Django dancing it like a Disney yeah. thing. <laughs> There's a lot of good I memes. I love that. Sure. Like motherfuckers on the internet are great sometimes. <laughs> I forget which one I'm thinking about, but it's making me laugh. It's just... There were some fantastic ones of him pulling up that chain code to Din, and then like the shit that would display on. It. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I do. I, I really think one of them is what is like <laughs> Boba Fett or Django dancing at one of those Disneyland like shows yes. they used to do, where they <laughs> shit like that in armor uh, going down the parade and stuff. Fuck yeah! It just, <laughs> it, just it it. Like in the context of the scene in the Mandalorian, it's all serious, but you, you see him pulling up this jerk off like. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, it's like 
because you know we had people decipher that and it, and it goes into i think concord don popped up django's yeah. name and and what, what's the guy jaster mariel jaster right? mariel yeah yeah so was, i mean was... i i think you're i think you're spot on like if we are going to get some of the ancient mandalorian stuff it probably would come through the chain code and him discussing it maybe with fennec and, and like it kicks off a flashback like hey my father django and this is how he got the armor and blah, blah, blah. And maybe you get maybe you get Django in the book of Boba Fett. There's another little speculation nugget I'm going to throw out there. Why the I fuck mean, not? Him put, plays put both Tem's of hair them. Back. So it yeah, put, make put, a fucking, you don't have to hire anybody else. Exactly. <laughs> Just uh, recolor the armor. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably going to be a lot of it. Because, like, once you get into that, like, obviously you can talk about the history of Django Fett. And if they go back into the Mandalorian Civil War... And because I don't think that that's been canonized. So like the 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 split, the civil war between the true Mandalorians and then the the other faction Mandalorians and everything like that. And then, you know, Django eventually becoming the Mandalore, like the official leader of, of Mandalore and stuff like that. There's a lot of that you could dig into if you wanted to go into the history of his lineage, right. like where his father came yeah, from just, and everything like that. Like I see it maybe coming up like between him and Fennec talking at night got a fire going like yeah so what why did why did you fall around a random mando for you know months or days in the desert to track down this armor why is it so important and then he goes into like listen this is this is my father Django <laughs> pulls it up and the guy starts dancing and yeah. shit but I think it's it could get, video. can so, <laughs> someone if you're on the live stream and you know of good ones? Can you link to it, link those to us in the chat? I want to pull some up because I don't know. I'm I'm feeling giggly today. And is it there was one? I wish I knew exactly what it was, but it it, it was definitely as the the kids say, L O L type yeah. of material. It was just ridiculous. Like <laughs> it was Jared's in, Jared's in the chat. He's saying there was one where Boba pulls up on his his uh, hologram. There shows chain code, and it's the uh, black series inventory numbers for the exclusives at target. So, I mean, there, there's great ones across the board. Pretty much any community probably created a meme to fit their needs with the, with the <laughs> old Boba Fett showing off his chain code. But if, if there's any good ones out there, uh, send them, send them to us in the live stream chat. Maybe we'll pull one up. See if I start to crack up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one more quote from our, our buddy Tem here. And uh, he was asked by SFX, like, you know, is this show going to cover Boba's timeline gap? Uh, essentially meaning the time that passed from his apparent death in Jedi until his resurgence in The Mandalorian Season 1. And here's what Morrison promised. And he said, the answers will flow. His direct mm -hmm. quote is, there will definitely be a number of answers. Some long-winded answers, some short and sharp answers. Some colorful answers. We're filling in a lot of gaps. Yeah. So I mean, to you, Nick, is a long-winded answer something that takes place throughout the entire season or a whole episode is dedicated to fleshing out the timeline? I think that it would be better to have something like that be almost like a, yeah, like an episode or a season-wide arc. Like, you know... I think it could like the easy way out of the the situation like with the you know with the Sarlacc and everything like that is just like cover it in the first half of an episode or whatever cover it in a flashback but you could also tease something like that out pretty well like you know 
essentially have him kind of go through the events leading up and, and everything like that, and then kind of drag it out over a few episodes to where he finally gets out. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a mix of both. I think the sharp, sharp one, sharp ones are probably going to be stuff that happens that, that, you know, you get wrapped up in, you know, the first half of an episode or something like that. You know, you see like, Oh yeah. You know, what happened with you and, and this guy, you know, like, wasn't that, wasn't there a conflict there? And then you'll get something that kind of covers like 30 seconds clip of him, uh, you know, shooting four Lom in the face or something like, Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, that guy. But what what do you think the colorful answers could be? Yeah. Colorful. Are those like, are those like action intense, like heavy action pieces that, that fill in some gaps? I was going to say that, that might be like full flashbacks. Like, you know, the ones that you actually get like a full scene flashback where you see younger Fett, doing whatever it is that they were talking about, you know, uh, taking his first bounty or something like that. The first time that he uh, got mixed up with, you know, some of the more famous bounty hunters out there. I wonder if they'll cast like even, even a, uh, like a, like a Clone Wars aged Boba to show some of these scenes between Aura Singh and, and Cad Bane and stuff like that. You know, like there's a lot of angles that you could take at, uh, answering these questions, uh, answering and these questions. you know, it could you know, it give could. us a, a live action Cad Bane. It could give us this, you know, a lot of the the live action stuff that we've seen in, in animated form before. So, um, I think the colorful ones will definitely be something that includes the action, like you said, with having some AirPod issues here. Oh no, the AirPods! I will say <sighs> that. The, I would, the, can Steve Jobs, can <laughs> someone resurrect Steve Jobs like Jesus? All right. Cause I love Apple, but ever since the motherfucker died, they've been more polished Microsoft. That's it. They don't they innovate look. shit. Their products fucking suck now. I mean, they, these are the brand new AirPods three. They're, they're all wonking in and out. The one doesn't charge half the fucking time. The AirPods max. I can't even use on a fucking iMac because they cut in and out. I was getting ready to yell at Nick and it's not his fault. <laughs> these stupid ass things just, they just drop connection. Sorry. Razor earbuds, Razor hammerhead, whatever. True wireless, something like that. These you are know good. what? <laughs> that should be a story for all of you. If you are a fucking genius to change the world, don't think you know more than science, okay? You know, Steve Jobs is dead because he thought he could fucking eat carrots and apples to beat fucking cancer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is I where we're at now. <laughs> Apple is, like I said, it's more polished Microsoft. It's a fucking joke. As I've been trying <sighs> to get people off the app. But it, it's hard to leave an Apple ecosystem once you're, you're fucking... I mean, it's still way better than being on Windows and updates this and that and cross your fingers. You got to restart so this works and, you know, tap your head, rub your belly shit. But the the quality is not the same. And and really, the innovation is what's dropped the most. I mean, come on. They haven't fucking innovated a goddamn thing since he he died. Nothing. Nothing. All right. Back to Star Wars. But anyway, yes, back Um, to Star Wars. So, yeah, I mean, like. I still think that the show is going to follow a format that's similar to what I had first talked about, where you're going to get a mix of flashbacks that discuss a lot of the the questions, the open questions 
that Boba's, you know, or that Tim was responding to, and you're going to have a, a good mix of live action or not live action, live timeline, current timeline, what's going on and his progression towards potentially building a crime syndicate or whatever he's doing now that he's taken out Bib Fortuna and taken over the, uh, the castle. Yeah, I think those are still good uh, options for the show overall. Got motherfuckers coming in, leaving doors open. There's cats probably running around the neighborhood. All right. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Daddy daycare time. <laughs> um, all right. So here are, are, I got three things that I want everyone to write down and post market for today. Okay. On the Star Wars time show. We have predicted that in the book of Boba Fett, Crimson Dawn will be revealed to be the big threat with the hopes of Kira making her live-action debut on Star Wars TV. Number two, we're going to see Jango Fett in the book of Boba Fett via flashback. Number three, I still think the way he escapes the pit is by catching himself on fire with his gauntlet to have the thing puke him up. I really think that's how he gets out. I think that's why he had those scars and no eyebrows and shit. And then ultimately, it's the, uh, the sand people that take him in, heal him, help maybe let him live with him a little bit because you, you don't end up looking like a nomad with gaffy sticks if you didn't spend some time with the sand people. So those, those are three predictions that I'm feeling very confident about now. So Crimson Don Kira... Django and his escape will be through lighting himself on fire. And I'm guessing the reason he loses the armor and the Jawas pick it up is because he caught himself on fire, probably fucking passed out and they either stole it off him or he was trying to remove it. And while he was on fire and then passed out from the pain. Yeah. Couldn't, those are, those couldn't are my spec. Those are my educated speculative guesses. If we hit on any, like I said, Ewoks, C-3PO. I'll be C-3PO. The rest of you be the Ewoks, all right? <laughs> there you I go. I am the god. Um, all right, hold on. Yeah. Tones gave us a video. I want to click on it see if it breaks anything. All right, let's see. Did it open? Oh, Fett's pass come back up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the video where he pulls up the chain code, and it's Boba dancing at, at, the, <laughs> at the Star Wars parade. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think the live stream just dead. Hold on. Did the live sure stream, the stream explode? Just, yeah. Yeah, I clicked on the link and like the live stream just just dipped out for a second. So It's okay. Guess, I think we're still live as as far as I can see we're still live at yeah. least for the moment. But yes, that what Tones did successfully find the video that has Oh my goodness, I just did it again. <laughs> <laughs> He found the video that has the dancing, uh, the dancing boba on the chain code. So well done, Tones. Hey, Tones, if you're if if we're still live, can you uh, just send that link to Discord so, like an asshole, I don't keep clicking on it and crashing the live stream? Thank you. There you go. But yeah, well, so well, he, I'm, I'm 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 like such a dope. I was like, I I know it breaks it, and then I click on it again like an asshole. <laughs> <It's> like, what <laughs> the hell is wrong with me? There we All go. Right. Investigative okay. reporter Tones finding the <laughs> finding the scoop, finding the. the I just want to watch it, but I can't <laughs> click on a fucking link because YouTube in Chrome, which is all the same company, okay? It's all it's all Alphabet. 
doesn't seem to want to work together. So, Tones, if you're still listening, send that over to our Discord. And if you are new and you're listening, you want to join the Discord, you can find an open invite in our Instagram account's bio link at yes. Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. There you go. All right, buddy, before we continue on, you know what time it is. We got to get those nuts on the screen. Here they come. <laughs> We've got virtual nuts flying at your faces from our friends at Manscaped. That is correct. Hallelujah. It is time for our sponsor. We've got some new copy for you, too. You guys ready for this? Gals looking for guys? All right. It's holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or stocking stuffer? Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is a leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls! Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code S-W-T-S. That's right. Ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice. Tis the season to perform. And perform you will if you pick up a gift at Manscaped. Or if you hint to your significant other that you want a gift from Manscaped. We're talking about the Lawnmower 4.0. You know, do a little, little trimming for the holidays. You know, if you're if you're cold, you're living in a cold area, you may you may think that, you know what, I want to keep some of the hair down there. It keeps you warm. No, it doesn't keep you warm. It keeps you stinky. So that's why you want to go to Manscaped and pick up, you know, maybe the performance package 4.0, which is going to have the lawnmower 4.0 right here. The thing I'm pointing to on our set, because it should be at the top of your wish list this year or gift list if you're giving it to friends and family to shop for you. So inside the Performance Package 4.0, again, you're going to find the Lawnmower Body Trimmer. In, in our opinion, one of the best trimmers on the market for your balls, button body, and the Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer. And let's not forget the famous liquidations or liquid formulations from Manscaped that Nick and I have become fans of, and that is the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, just have put a fresh slather on today before the show, and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which, you know, after the show, may give myself a little spritz just to make sure everything is smelling like roses down there. All right, so if you get the performance package now, you will receive two free gifts in the form of the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. The dads, we're talking about all the dads out there, can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women of all ages will love you for it. So now these are our picks for Manscaped Surefire Wind Stocking Stuffers. Get your pens and paper out. Number one, the Manscaped 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner. It just launched, and you can kill two birds with one stone. It's right here. I love it. I put it on my little bit of AstroTurf. Makes my head skin smell nice and yummy. Number two is going to be your Manscaped Cologne Infused Body Wash, something Nick and I both also use. Number three, the Shears 2.0 Luxury 4-Piece Nail Kit. 
I believe we have this too, and we it do. does work quite nicely. It's easy to travel. It's in a nice little like card ducks card deck size package. Yep. Number four, all right. Make sure you're still writing these down. You got the crop mops. We have some of these too. They're they, you know, when you were a kid and you're worried about acne, you might have bought some of those pads and put alcohol on there to dry them out. Think about doing that with your balls, but not with alcohol, with good smelling manscaped product juice. Number five, we have the Manscaped Signature Cologne, which I may honestly have to look into. That is one thing I've not tried out yet. So these formulations, just in case you're wondering, they're all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know their products are legit. All right, so make sure to hurry over to manscaped.com to ensure these wild gifts show up before the holiday season. And while you're at it, get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with our code SWTS. Whether this is for your partner, dad, brother, friend, get them something that they will actually use, and it's almost sure to get a laugh. <laughs> get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SWTS and be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. All right. Thank you as always for uh, listening to that word from our sponsors. And you know, it wouldn't, if not for all of you, we would not have that sponsor. So we appreciate the support you've showed us on the show this year. Even if it's not enough to make my dark black soul feel like we've accomplished something, it's been enough to make Manscaped happy. So let's keep that up. If you need to grab something, we'd love for you to grab it today using our code SWTS. Please. All right. Do one more shot of virtual balls. See, this is why you should check out the live stream. If you're just a podcast listener, you're missing the virtual nuts that show up on the screen. And no, you sicko. We're not talking about testicles. We're talking about walnuts. Jeez. Who do you think we are? All right, buddy. Family friendly affair, as we all know. All right, Tones has it in the uh, Discord, but based on my clicking events, I'm just going to let that sit until after the show at this point in time. But thank you, Tones. Your work is appreciative or appreciated. All right, man, up next, Nick, uh, this Rogue Squadron story will just not go away. We're yeah. on like week three or four of this thing, and we're, yes, we are totally beating the dead horse at this point in time. Because the, hey, the, the dead horse is the only <laughs> horse in Star Wars land right now. <laughs> that, that, that's all we got. It's like the only named movie we can discuss, and really until Book of Boba comes out, there's, there ain't squat, my friends. So you get what you get. Don't pitch a fit. All right, so Nick's got this one for us, but there, there's yes. been an update on the Rogue Squadron Patty Jenkins saga. So, my friend, what is going on now? Are we ever going to see this movie? What is the good word? It seems like we may actually see Rogue Squadron, but one movie that Patty Jenkins was working on, uh, we may we may not see, and that's Cleopatra. So, um, when you think about the the amount of work that Patty Jenkins, like, rust upon herself at this point in time like she was the director of wonder woman 3 rogue squadron and a movie called cleopatra which as the name suggests would uh you know would star gal gadot as cleopatra and kind of work in that timeline and tell her story she's now dropped out as the director of cleopatra citing uh that she needs more time to work on both rogue squadron and wonder woman 3 
Um, she's staying on as a producer for Cleopatra, but she will not be directing. So for Star Wars fans, that means pretty much one important thing. She is now either by direction of Lucasfilm or, <laughs> or I mean, that's the, that's the big question is did she choose to do this or did Lucasfilm kind of lay down the law and say like, Hey, you know, I appreciate that you have this story that you're working on here, but guess what? We have a contract. We've already announced yeah. your movie. So you signed uh, the deal. Look right here, <laughs> yeah. the deal, your yeah. signature. So you need to uh, come through on that before we uh, do anything else with uh, pushing, pushing forward Rogue, uh, Rogue Squadron. So um, she does, uh, she does have uh, more time to work on Rogue Squadron, get everything buttoned up the way that it's supposed to be, that it should be, and hopefully turn in an approved script to uh, to Lucasfilm and and start filming soon because you know. That, yeah, that's what's didn't. needed now, it seems. <laughs> Nick, I, I, I 100% think this is a PR Band-Aid that yeah. her camp and Lucasfilm probably collaborated on. Uh, I, I don't think remotely that this means Rogue Squadron's back on track for 2023. Absolutely no. not. No. Um, I think it was more of like, okay, we're, we're, we're seeing the chatter out there and, oh yeah, we get it. It's another, the memes, creative differences, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, they, it never works out. It's more of the same. I think this is them just saying, all right, let, let's try to nip this in the butt a little bit and show a little solidarity here and, and just be like, all right, let's, let's drop this now. Let the people know that no, we're not firing her. No rogue squadron hasn't been shelved permanently. Uh, but we are working with the talent on a plan to get things back on track. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from this. Um, I really do think that the reason for the delay was likely because of the script. I had to take a guess there was no filming that was started yet there was no i don't even think that they have technically started pre-production for it um and given what we saw out of wonder woman 84 like you would have to imagine that there was a lot more scrutiny put on this script than previously now she wasn't the main writer of squadron i, I believe they hired a yeah writer. there was another the there was another writer but, but i, I think believe she, it's someone it, yeah it's someone she's collaborated with before and potentially yes. on wonder woman 84 so to nick's yeah. point it, it could still be all the same like all right we don't we, we got to make sure to sign off on your vision and that it's meeting our vision before we start dumping in the real money and, and getting the production up and running yeah and i mean honestly i know that it's never fun for uh you know things to be delayed or anything like that but honestly this kind of gives me a little bit of a a little bit of hope now that there is more oversight onto these movies you know like it seemed like with the with the sequel trilogy oversight was few and far between if there was any like there was just a lot of trust that was given Fucking to story group that, that story group's the biggest joke in all of entertainment at this point in time because of the sequels <laughs> i know it's it's weird so like you know, maybe maybe this is a sign that they're that they're actually like, hey, we're going to read these scripts. We're going to see if this is the direction that we want to go with this film. And even though you are, you know, Patty, you are the main person that's behind this. And, you know, you are the director and you are kind of giving story guidance. Um, 
you know, maybe they are being a little bit more scrutinous towards the scripts, which is good for us. I mean, it's good for us as a viewing public because that means that, hey, Dave Filoni has, I mean, hopefully that means that Dave Filoni puts a little check mark next to these scripts and they, you know, then they hit the, you know, the production phase. But yeah. I I mean, mean, let's be real. The, the, The man can't write everything. He's he's in charge of a large wing of the universe right now, uh, yeah. the most interesting wing in a lot of our minds. So we can't have him on everything. He can't be like George was, but even then, it's just it's not apples to apples. I mean, George, he was the guy, the maker. Just focus on movies. Star Wars is much more than just movies these days. Yeah, hell, movies, it's it's, TV, video it's games, the movies have been yeah books, the movies books. have been surpassed. It's it's yeah. it's it's the other mediums that are getting the attention versus film these days in star wars so while you know it, the easy answer is so yeah just you know dave should write everything it, it that's never going to happen he can't do it but yeah. i think what nick is saying he should have oversight he should have the ability to provide notes he should have the ability to reject uh i just i hope that is is coming to fruition and, and i i believe it is i mean they they made a point to elevate the guy to CCO, I think a year or two ago, with little fanfare. I mean, no one really knew about it until a tweet, like a year later, like, oh, fucking Filoni is the chief creative officer of Lucasfilm now? Great. Yeah, very little fan. Yeah, so I, I think that was one of their pivots from the disaster of the sequel trilogy narrative was like, okay, this story group, they're fucking useless. Like, they they provided nothing outside of a sounding board that just looked like bobbleheads going, yep, yeah, yep, yep. You want to do that? Okay, all Go right, yep. Hey, you know, that doesn't really line up with what's happening in the middle movie, but hey, fuck it. Narrative, creative freedom, right? Yep, good, okay. Oh, you're directing it and writing it, but you didn't direct or write the other one? Oh, yeah, that, that'll work out really good. I'm sure that... These artists' visions will line up perfectly, and neither one will want to put their own stamp on it. it uh, everything will be easy peasy. Yeah. And yeah, that, that failed. And I think that's when they're like, all right, Dave, you, you're the anointed one. You are the son of the father. You, you need to have final say over some of this shit. If anything else, you can't write everything, but you should have final say. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, I, hope, I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. You know, look, if he if if what he's doing now is he's reading the scripts and giving if that's all it is, you know, read the script, put the check mark on it. I'm happy with it because I I have a very I I know that if Dave Filoni reads a bad script for a Star Wars movie, he's not going to just be like, yep, sure. Let it go. No, he, he he's going to. No, it's, you know, it's too important to him. Yeah, he'll have notes. He'll he'll say like, hey. This needs to change. This isn't right. This doesn't have continuity with this. Like he knows what should be there and how things should be. So I'm glad that hopefully he he does have. Uh, I, I, this this may sound sacrilegious to some fans, but I think Filoni probably has a better grasp of the galaxy now than the maker himself. I, I think that that's, that's rough to say. But I, I even think he was getting there while they were working together on the Clone Wars. I mean, it, there, there's some weird shit that goes on in the Clone Wars if you watch it. And you, you know that's probably coming from, from Georgie Boy. Uh, but I, I feel like Dave understood what George wanted without George having to tell him. It's like he could just kind of, he could, he could see into the future of like, 
you know, George, I know what you want. You may not be the best now at, at directing people to kind of give it to you, but I, I know I got your back. I will uphold your version like of you Star said. Wars as I, as I continue uh, working in this lovely, lovely, far, far away galaxy. Yeah. So, uh, right. I, I, I'm taking it like now I'm taking these delays because I have to, as I take video game delays and usually video yep. game delays are good things. You know, a game, a game gets delayed. That yeah, means I that mean, they it, found something that they need to fix and they want to have it ready to go. The good thing with this one is no shooting has taken place. This yeah, isn't yeah. like going to be the solo mess where you're, where you're coming in multi-directors and band-aiding the fuck out of it. So this, it, while gaming delays happen during production, they just realize like, listen, we, we don't have enough time. Yeah. Like we're going to, re- we're going to release a cyberpunk if we release this thing. Uh, and, and, and gamers are used to it at this point with movies. Now, if they were already shooting and all this shit started to happen, even this news, I'd be like, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not feeling too fucking hot on this. Cause at one point everyone was on board the green light, the production. And now they're starting to fucking change their minds once they're seeing people work. And that's what happened on solo. I mean, they, everyone at Lucasfilm, the story group, KK, Bob Iger, they were all sold on, uh, Lord Miller. But once it got down the brass tacks and they were watching them work on set and how many days it took them to film a scene, they're like, eh, just kidding, Told guys. no longer. <laughs> get get like, the fuck out of here and I'm going to get someone in that can actually get this shit shot and done in a timely and a relatively inexpensive fashion. Yeah. All right. Let's hope for the best from okay. uh, Rogue Squadron because, you know, now we know we have at least another year before it comes out. Yeah. I'm just I'm getting used to just not thinking about Star Wars movies anymore. I mean, it's been long enough since you know we're we're now two years past the last one. We're getting back to that territory after Revenge of the Sith, where you're just like, eh, are we ever going to see a Star Wars movie again? And that's kind of where I'm at. And it's just like, all right, I'm good. We're getting the TV but stuff still. Some of the comic shits, all right. Uh, I'll survive. I'm going to say this, and I don't know how how people are going to take it. I hope that Disney and LFL get off the high horse and do direct to Disney plus movie. Cause look, I, I love the silver screen as much as anybody does. I love big screen experiences, but it seems like the D plus team has their shit handled. You know, it seems like the people who work on content for Disney plus, whether it be the writers and directors themselves or just the, the ancillary crew, like the, the people that are behind the scenes on Disney plus their shit is buttoned up and everything that comes out on Disney plus is good. So like, why would you remove that as a, as a potential medium? And, you know, I'm sure that in, in, in LFL and Disney's eyes, if they have a star Wars movie project that they want to put out, they want to put it out on the big screen for the, the pomp and the circumstance and the ticket sales and, you know, look at this billion. We made a, a, a 1.5 billion. We, we, you know, highest grossing movie this year. All that stuff's nice. But like, it seems like the Disney plus end of things just functions better. So, yeah, I mean, you could argue we're already getting Star Wars movies on Disney plus. They're just broken up into yeah, episodes. episodes. I mean, they're, they're, they're longer than movies. I mean, Mandalorian S1 and S2. If you put them together, you know, we're looking at what, eight, eight plus 10 hour movies, more than that. So yeah, yeah, they are technically doing it, just not traditional film. Now, 
it looks like they're done doing that uh, day and date in theater on Disney Plus, pay, pay us an extra yeah. $30 deal. Uh, they seem to now just want their movies. What is it? They they give them, I think it's, is it 45 or 60 days now, Nick, yeah, in theaters? Please. And then they just come right to Disney Plus and they're freely available to subscribers. I think Shang-Chi was, uh, Shang-Chi was the first one that they did it with, where they, they gave it a run, I believe, from September all the way until mid-November. Well, was D- Disney Plus Day was Shang- Shang-Chi's arrival on the, on the platform. So I be- it was at least 45 days, if not two months. And I think that'll be the model moving forward. So I, I would yeah. assume if they're doing it for MCU movies, they would do it also for Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a point to be made. Will they ever just develop a, a film for Disney Plus set in Star Wars? Or will they stick to the long-form series approach which are still movies in the end you know our buddy tones is like saturday i'm gonna watch mando s1 and s2 and he's at at this point since all the content's out he's essentially watching the mandalorian movie the first two parts yeah but there you go all right that's the movie news and then we got one piece of game news for you people but right I don't really, know it really wasn't even a lot of, about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not a ton of news. It's just we, we got the first gameplay trailer for Star Wars Hunters, which is this mobile uh, arena. Fighter, basically. It's like an arena look, gun, like a, uh, an yeah, arena look, shooter. It looks like Fortnite with some Overwatch baked into it, but not as big, and it's not uh, Battle Royale. Uh, I know Tones was in here saying it looked dumb as hell, and hey, it, it kind of does. Uh, did you watch it, Nick? Did you check this I, out? I at did. All? I watched the trailer. I mean, look, it I'm, felt. I'll, I'll let you go, but just to me, the first reaction I have was, you know, it doesn't look terrible, but it feels slow. Yeah, I'm not. I felt, uh, the action felt slow to me. I'm just. I'm not interested in it. Um, this style of game is just not one that I ever really got into. Like I was never really into arena shooters. Like I played Overwatch a fair amount when it first came out, but I haven't played Overwatch in a long time. Um, I was never a huge do, battle royale fan either. So do you get the Overwatch feel though a bit? Because it is, it does seem it, very team based oriented. Yeah, I definitely get the Overwatch feel from it because of the team aspect to it and then the different classes that you can play as. Essentially, you can play as like, you know, some classes are tanks, some classes are damage dealers, you know, healers slash support characters, stuff like that from what we can see. And then you have a little bit of your ability <laughs> yeah. to kind of buff your team. Bro, I, I have a plane right now and there's a moment literally between the robot Jedi, which I think is kind of a cool character, and, and yeah. the Wookiee where they're standing right next to each other just going, whack. Whack, whack, <laughs> whack. I was like, what, what, what type of competition is this? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not a huge mobile gamer. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Like, look, the idea of mobile gaming to me is way more attractive than actually doing it. Um, for example, like I've been I've been wanting to play a good JRPG for a while. I mentioned that earlier in the show. I haven't picked up Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. I I own it. I just haven't played it. So like one of my ideas was, was like, oh, let me, I'm going to buy Chrono Trigger on mobile and I'll play Chrono Trigger. And then I did that for like, I, I picked it up. I think it was only like five bucks or something like that on the Android store, installed it. I played it for like 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, man, just mobile gaming, like playing a, playing like a game on a phone just doesn't have it's that the same, same, man. 
Yeah, it just especially it really doesn't. Yeah, and especially that, this is if it's another not, you know, built for the phone initiative. And the, it's and the it's, same thing again. The, the theme of the episode is is generations. Yes, and 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 it's the same thing here with with playing games on a phone versus either a console or a PC. And I, I'm with Nick. I mean, games like Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes, perfect for a phone because they're just tap tap boop boop bop, right? Yeah, playing it, playing a fucking shooter with virtual c- controls, or even using a controller on your on your mobile device, it just this is the younger generation thing. I mean, they, 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 these kids they're used to living off of tablets and phones versus TVs. Uh, I forget I was reading something. It's like, um, you know, kids these days they have no interest in HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu, shit like that. They'd rather watch content creators on their phone, yeah. TikTok. YouTube, it's just they the, the way they consume media is is way different than us older people. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I, I'll be honest. Star Wars Hunters, uh, you know, let let's see what it's going to cost. Is it F to P? What's it going to cost on the Switch? I think the Switch would probably be the best platform to play it on, that's, especially yeah. if you're an old fuddy duddy like Nick or, Nick or I. Yeah, that's what I was um, going to say. Is Switch? If I do get it, it'll, it'll definitely be on Switch. And, and here's the thing is usually games like this where it's, you know, multiplayer only arena style combat. So it's usually like free to play. And then they, yeah. you get microtransactions for your right. skins or for unlocking new champions or for whatever else that they can put into the game. You know, like any, any of the microtransactions is usually where they make their money off of stuff like this. I mean, I could see it like. This is the first time that Star Wars has ever really tried to enter a competitive gameplay realm. Like if you you can go back and look at the history of Star Wars games. Masters it, of the Tarascasi, man, back on the PlayStation <laughs> 1, it was it was Mortal Kombat Star Wars. I still yeah. contend it was fantastic game even though it was kind of shoddy, but it, it was, you are right. I mean it yeah. it, 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 it a shooter, I can't I mean outside of like some multiplayer modes in the Jedi academy of games i mean yeah th- this is I mean, definitely unique yeah this it's definitely unique to the star wars landscape and hey i mean i don't think that that star wars is ever going to try to move in an esports direction like have an actual competitive well, gaming this, this scene. would be its first foray into yeah. it yeah i mean this would be as close as you get and and hey like for games like this and a lot of people thought it was going to happen with squadrons that like oh squadrons is going to be this fantastic esports gaming experience and stuff like that and it wasn't like that game died fast like for as much as people were like oh i love it this is so cool blah 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 and like everybody knows my opinion on it i really didn't enjoy it but like that game lasted maybe two months and then it was it was out of everybody's mind so i mean maybe there will be a kind of like a grassroots competitive scene that pops up for hunters but it really depends on how much how much development goes into it post-release and if they're going to release I mean, I, new champions, are, are they going to release new, right. you know, people to play and stuff like that? So, 
Well, yeah, does it take the other F2P model and, and you have seasons and whatnot where they introduce new arenas? And I, what Fortnite, I think, is moving into Chapter 3 or yeah, Season 3, Fort, something Fortnite like that. Fortnite and Apex Legends. And when they and do that, I mean, I don't fuck with Fortnite at all, but I believe when they enter into a new season, it, they completely change like the game map and what you can do and the pickups and the guns and all that yeah. shit. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I've been watching this Hunter's trailer over and over as we've been talking about it. I think I'm going to give it a shot mostly because to me, it's like a mini overwatch. It's a, it's a more contained overwatch and I dig team based multiplayer games. I don't dig like team based class based there. Let me, let me clarify it. Class based gameplay, especially for us older fucks can be a lifesaver because you can get in there and either be a tank or be a healer and actually feel like you're contributing to the win versus you know last night when i was running around in halo infinite quick play and i'm taking it up the ass and my my kd ratio is like 0.3 sometimes those matches aren't fun and you're you sit there and you're like why am i doing this to myself like why why do i like just spawning and having a kid fucking insta kill me and then teabag my digital face yeah so i I don't know man it's star wars if it's free i hey it's not gonna hurt to download at least try it out and start a start an account so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna stay on top of this thing and and you all too can if you 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 all too can (laughs) huh Okay. You hopefully you understood can all. I, yeah, <laughs> y'all can. Hopefully you understood what my stupid brain was trying to say there. But if you do want to stay on top of it, go to StarWarsTime.net, pull up this article, and uh, hit this official site link. If you're on the live stream, you can see what I'm pointing at. Uh, that'll take you to the Hunter site where you can pre-register and you know get some free bullshit and you know probably get put on a mailing list that you'll curse yourself for a year from now. But at least you'll be in the know. So there you go. Star Wars Hunters, Enter the Arena. Uh, there's an article on StarWars.com that also details some of the new characters they revealed and their, and their skills and whatnot. But, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm in between Tones and, and uh, Sir Dork in the chat. Sir Dork's on the awesome side. Tones is on this looks like a pile of shit side. I'm in the like, hey, you know what? It, 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 it doesn't offend me. It, it intrigues me slightly. Am I going to sit there and lose sleep over my excitement for it? Absolutely not. But it's Star Wars, and if it's free, might as well download it, see how it plays, and you never know. Maybe one day you will see me in the eSports Hall of Fame as a Star Wars Hunter's legend. You just, you just never know. <laughs> there you go. Okay, before we fully get in the fan segment, I got a little trick up my sleeve here. I forgot to tell. I think I thought I told Nick, but uh, I'm still reading the comic books. I'm just not doing the breakdowns of the of the singulars because I, I got zero traction. I'm talking like 20 views on my my Vader recaps. Uh, the Crimson Dawn stuff I may consider covering on the YouTube again. No, this is not a threat. It's not like, ooh, I'm going to take it away from you all because I, I know no one gives a shit. This is just me talking to myself and will I be able to curb my OCD with creating Star Wars content. But anyways, I'm not covering the comics, but I, I, I do on the show when new ones come out, want to recap some of the interesting canon stuff. So we did have Vader 18 dropped last week. Decent looking cover right there. But there's a a somewhat juicy canon entry. And that's the fact that a prequel character and a character that has actually showed up in this Vader run has been revealed to be a member of Crimson Dawn. 
Oh, more so like I'm saying, Dawn. my friends, <laughs> Crimson Dawn is the flavor of Star Wars these days. So don't sleep on my prediction about their importance in the book of Boba Fett. I'm telling you, they are setting up Crimson Dawn to be a major, major fucking player in faction in Star Wars these days, especially Fall of the Empire type of stuff. But anyways, this Vader comic, it just kind of went around. Him and Ochi are, are testing people to see if they're with Crimson or if they can actually kill Crimson Dawn. And th- the last page, we end up back on Paulus Massa, the birthplace of the Skywalker twins and the the uh, the death location of Lady Nibiri. Uh, and it ends with, you know, you see this this soldier's in there. And at first, I didn't the helmet didn't look familiar. But now that I look at it, it's definitely a, a Naboo-style helmet. But we come to find out at the very end that Sabe is still going around kind of following the trail of Vader. Because remember that this, this run started with Vader hunting down people that he thought fucked up his son and made him a pussy. Which took him to Naboo, which got him mixed back up with Sabe and the, and the, and the um, Padme's handmaidens. So anyways, we haven't seen her a few issues and we get her right here at the end of this one. And she's like, oh, she's watching the recording. I'm like, there's still good in him. I know <laughs> there's still good. <laughs> and um, as the comic ends, the robot says, Sabe, handmaiden of the queen. Did you find what you were looking for? No, I'm looking for Vader. Ah, and what will you do when you find him? We'll see, but if you're on the live stream, you'll see she flips up her hood, and who is a fresh new member of Crimson Dawn? Sabe. Okay? <laughs> so, Sabe, a former handmaiden of Padme, has also now thrown in with Crimson Dawn, which, you know, is in league with the Knights of Ren. Uh, they've got spies in the Imperial Navy. I'm telling you, they're taking over Star Wars. Prepare for it. Started in the con. Well, I guess started in Clone Wars solo, but it's now becoming a a major major part of the Star Wars tale post the original trilogy, and in this case during the original trilogy towards the tail end. So, there you go. There's your update on the state of Star Wars canon during the OT era. Sabe is now a member of Crimson Dawn and working with Kira. Interesting. Very. Okay. And uh, do have a little collectible roundup this week. Um, we got some Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, and Star Wars Visions. All got a little love today on today's Bring Home the Bounty Reveals. And for those of you that were keeping score, the uh, Black Series Rancor, the HasLab, did fail. Yeah. I've I still see. have found the reaction to this from the community to be odd. It's like, I don't know if their anger is coming from a place of... They felt like Hasbro didn't make it enticing enough that people would back it and they'd get it. Or if they wanted it to fail because they're mad at Hasbro for a a bunch of other weird reasons that only collectors would get. Either way, it failed. No one's getting the fucking Rancor. So I guess those that hated it are probably happy. Those that wanted it are probably a little sad. Uh, I've just I've never gave a shit about it from the get go. I've thought the community's reaction to it has been curious, to say the least. It's just like, it's fucking fan funding. If you don't like it, don't fucking buy it. Don't yeah, bag it. Just, why, 
Why, why are you like putting up stories like, oh, we'll fucking die. Hasbro, you suck. You should have gave us the Rancor Keeper early. Then we would have got it, motherfuckers. Like, yeah, listen to the fans. Like, all right, I get the, you know, I've, I've gotten angry at Hasbro too, but that's over them fucking not having their own product in stock. Not that they put out a Kickstarter that I didn't quite dig. So yeah. it failed. Oh, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, but we did get some decent stuff today. And I, and I was talking to Nick earlier, and I, I think I'm at a, a crossroads in my collector life here. And I'd be interested, either th- you're in chat or you're listening on the podcast platform, send us a DM. But have any of you ever gone through moments in your life where you don't like your hobby anymore? You, you like have zero passion for collecting Star Wars toys? And with, in this community, the, the added passion of taking pictures of them? Um, cause I'm there. I am, uh, none of these reveals even today. Like I, I think this, you know, we got the, uh, the official book of Boba Fett black series, Boba Nick, and you know, he looks pretty great. I think he's a rip off as a deluxe figure, but I just don't have that feeling that I'd get, you know, even a year or two years ago where it's like, Oh my God, that looks great. I got to get it. I can't wait till I get it. These days I'm just like, eh, yeah, I don't know. I mean the FOMO is pulling me like I don't want to miss out on the figure but a lot of that stems from the days when I'd actually take fucking pictures of them and I don't anymore it's not that I hate it I just I just don't I think too uh, with these like with these figures you have so many Boba Fett's that like how much excitement can you muster for another fucking Boba Fett it's like oh look now it's my 15th fucking Boba Right. And he does look completely different, but it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, again, any collectors out there, if you're feeling what I'm saying, let us know. But I'm even, I, I've been sitting on a $20 off Hot Toys coupon that expires today, and I still have Jesse to pre order and uh, the other one they released, Vaughn. And I'm, I'm not feeling that, I'm not feeling compelled to start clicking on Sideshow and ordering it. I just got. I mean, I got my 501 Battalion hot toy. I got my Rex. I got the uh, Course and Guard hot toy, the Shore Trooper hot toy. And some of them have taken me three or four days to even care about opening. So I think I am heading back to where I was after the prequels, where I just kind of just lost that bug to collect. Lost the juice. I mean, hopefully, hopefully... um 2022 will will kind of turn that around because you'll be getting some new stuff, you know, like some new new stuff, not like, oh look, now it's it's a new version of Neo Boba Fett that's got some right. fucking skirt on now instead of pants or some, you know, it's not just like <laughs> slight upgrades yeah. or like slight differences and shit. Like you're going to get hopefully some new looking Kenobi shit, some fucking uh live action Anakin I Kenobi. Just, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Because even, even, even this Fennec Shan, which, you know, we've known has been out, but today she got like her full glamour shot. It's a great looking Black Series figure. That's a deal. I'm not, I'm not sitting here shitting on these things. These are good looking figures. These aren't the, the, the reskins and the credit collection, all that carbonized dumb shit. They're good looking figures. I just do not feel that pull. Which, I mean, people that have been in our Discord and been listening to us f- for years is, is a drastic turn from how I used to be. I, I can remember a year and a half ago, I was at the beach trying to get in a, on a pre-order run for some Black Series figures, and I had a fucking meltdown because I couldn't order them. I, mean, I was like, ah, bleh, like completely unhinged shit. 
I remember Tones caught me in the middle of it. He's like, Jesus Christ, dude, don't have a heart attack. <laughs> and it, that was genuine. Like, I, I really felt compelled that I had to get these figures. If I didn't get these figures, I was going to die. It was like OCD level stuff. And I just don't give a fuck anymore, especially about the Black Series. I just don't care. And even some of the Hot Toys stuff, I'm looking at my pre-orders. I'm going, the fuck was I doing? What the fuck did I do these past two, three years? Why do I have a, I got Kuil pre-ordered and Hot Toy. I'm like, do I really need a fucking Hot Toy of Kuil? Do I? Probably. No. <laughs> and, and that just goes back to, oh, when you collect like I used to, it's like, you got to have everyone the wave. Got to have the full wave. Got to have everyone from Mandalorian season one. It's just, I don't know, man. I'm in a weird spot right now. And I, I don't know if I'm going to go through and start canceling Hot Toy pre-orders or what, but a lot of the stuff they showed today, Albeit good-looking Black Series figures, I just am not feeling the draw to order. But we'd like you to order. We got the links in here, and if you do use our links, get a little credit in the old Entertainment Earth bank account. So uh, this new Boba Fett Deluxe, which is silly because the Deluxe is just his weapons and his helmet and his fucking jetpack, which didn't used to be Deluxe for a Boba Fett figure, but these days it is. Uh, he goes on sale tomorrow, 1 p.m. East. We got links for you. Uh, Fennec, you can pre-order now. Got links for you. The TVC got some great little deluxe sets. Again, I, I feel like the TVC line is is getting better product. You know, these deluxe sets. We got the uh, Stormtrooper with his E-Web. You've got a, an Incinerator Trooper with Grogu and Flame Effect. That's a cool little package. And then you got the Ahsoka, Tano, and Grogu. And it, it even looks like you're you're going to get... Uh, was it Maori or whatever the fuck the 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 Bird. owl is called? Yep. Um. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's like I know Joe's saying, "Welcome to your forties." I'm I'm I've been here for a while. It's just I don't know. It is maybe it is. Maybe it goes back to the the midlife crisis. I think I'm experiencing it. it I am having a lot of come to mat moments. Like I've got all these beautiful figures on my desk just sitting here. I have no impulse to shoot them i can't put them back in their i can't put them in the glass cases because i haven't shot them and i haven't gotten over that ocd yet uh, but the pull to order black series is is damn near dead at this point and i don't know why i feel bad about it i guess that just shows you the the level of sickness i have as a collector that believes and subscribes to fomo because there is a part of me still like if i don't get this boba fett Someone's going to take a badass picture and I won't be able to because I don't have them. But then my other little person on my shoulder saying, hello, fuckhead. You don't even take pictures of the figures when you get them anymore. They sit in their box for a few weeks. Then you take them out and then you lay them on a table. So that argument is stupid. Quit buying this shit. Do you see the internal fight here, Nick? It's no fun anymore. It is not. It doesn't sound like I want to be like you and I want to drink in the afternoon to my face turns damn near purple, right? That's what I want to get to. Oh, I do. <laughs> he is, I, his, Nick's face today is, is like, it's literally moved into purple from his usual flushed red look. It, he's getting some funky lights from those uh, uh, I, blinds I got like half of blind light and then half of internet light and who the fuck <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, up next, Visions got a little love. And th- this was a weird one, especially if you're a collector. But uh, the the Twins episode, the Twins are getting SH Figure Arts figures that are exclusive to Target. That is weird. 
I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a Japanese line, I believe. Figure arts. I've never heard of a figure arts figure being exclusive to an American retailer, but here we go. Uh, and they're going to cost you 85 bucks a pop. And I don't think these are going to sell well because a lot of people, at least saw in comments, they felt the Twins episode was one of the worst. It was one of my favorite just because of how fucking crazy it was. It was like, you know, crack cocaine Star Wars. I mean, smack. Maybe even, you know, smack with some speed and crank mixed in. Um, I don't know. The, the girl figure, I'm not going to lie because she's got that Vader appeal. There's a little bit of me, like if I was still crazy, I probably would have went for that. But these days, I think I have enough to say no. And then finally, we got links for those too. And then finally, we got some Funkos. And I will say the Ronin and B556, that's a good looking Funko set. Yeah. Uh, I like that they, they kept it black and white and did the color splash with the saber. You know, if this is something I still got into, I'd probably be jumping on that one. And um, we have links for all this stuff. You want to check it out, StarWarsTime.net. Uh, but there you go. I still like talking about the toys. I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a weird feeling. It, it's kind of goes into this whole black cloud I've kind of had over my head these past few weeks. But it's time for the fan segment. And it's going to be a quicker one than usual because we're running up against the clock and because my dumb ass forgot to post the question of the week to our, our actual feed. I only did the story. So, <laughs> hey, so it only, means we'll get uh, through like, it fast. Yeah, I think three people replied to the story, so we do not have the full uh, five responses to cover this week, but I'll, I'll go ahead and pull it up. Again, if you want to get involved in the fan segment, we do it every show because we are willing to do anything to try to trick people into listening to us at least once and then maybe coming back and subscribing. Anything, you know, when you hear your name, we'll put up your picture, we'll say beautiful things about you as long as you pledge fealty to the Star Wars Time Show, all right? So uh, let me get the screen up here. I didn't prep it beforehand, so it's probably not going to work. And uh, we'll do one of these, and then we'll do one of these, and then we'll do one of these. All right. Okay. And I actually all think right. it was a decent question, but what? like I said, I fucked up. So the question of the week, <laughs> what are you most excited to experience in Book of Boba, flashbacks, or Mando timeline events? If you want to get mixed up in the question of the week every Tuesday morning at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram, if I remember, you'll find it in both our stories and in our feed. All you got to do is drop a comment and maybe you will make the show. Okay, so those that... Followed the assignment and at least replied to the story. Up first, we have SW Black Series Clips, I think. I can't Clip. see the full name. I think it's Clips. Uh, either way, one, one of my favorite up-and-coming stop-motion animators, SW Black Series Clips, I believe. Uh, dig the, dig the, the dude's work in, in stop-motion. But he's going with Mando Timeline Events for sure. Disney slash Lucasfilm needs to secure a solid story arc for such an iconic character as Boba Fett. What they set up in this series should spawn story threads for him across several mediums for years to come. It will also give the general audience a better idea of how different Boba is from Din. They're not both just bounty hunters anymore. Well I think, said. I think that's a good, yeah, it's a good way to draw it. Draw some differences between Din and Boba because I'm sure that Casual fans could be confused as to are they related? Yeah. Do hey, they know each other well? Where's Grogu? What's this? How yeah, come so. he doesn't have the little green guy? 
Do the His magic helmet's hand green. Thingy. How come he doesn't have the green guy? All right. <laughs> Thank you, uh, SW Black Series Clips. We speak your name. Next up, up. next, our buddy Scion, XTC, I believe. Yes. Uh, we haven't seen him around, but he, he caught the story, Nick, and he says... I'm more excited to see flashbacks that help flesh out more lore and answer the questions we have since the return of Boba Fett. There we go. So science, he's, he's an old, he's an old guard kind of like myself. I mean, I, I'm with black series clips. Yeah. Let's expand and, and, and start new threads, but they fucking owe us some explanations and I'm sticking to that story. So yeah, I want to see, I want to see how this man freed himself and, what led to some of his changes in his personality. I agree with Zion as well. I'm on, I'm on both fronts. I'm a happy medium kind of guy, but we have one more response. Let's see what Ripic Tan has to say about this one. He says, we all want the Sarlacc exit, but if we get flashbacks, it'd be nice to see him being a non bozo. There you go, Matt. Good, Hitting good right listener. at he's, your heart. That's what I think. <laughs> But I think I'm more interested in Mando timeline stuff, including him reconnecting with characters we know, like other bounty hunters. Let me ask you guys. If Boba had the same... I know, he's asking us a question. If Boba had the same scenes in the OT, but just didn't go into the pit, was maybe taken out by Luke's saber, dying or barely escaping, do you think he would have become so infamous among fans for the last 40 plus years? So he's asking if he doesn't just bozo his way by a blind guy into the Sarlacc pit and actually dies in combat or, or is grievously wounded in combat, do you think he would still be as famous as he is now? Yeah, and I, I, I replied to Ripic kind of in our chat because I can't help myself. Like I said, I'm a sucker. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars narcissist, so anytime ask me my opinion, I'm going to give it to them whether they want it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you watch that Boba Fett documentary... The guy didn't even have to ever make it on screen and he would have been the same legend that he always has been. People went fucking nuts seeing that armor. Uh, so I, I don't think it matters how he went out. It was just the fact that he looked cool as shit, didn't have much to say. That's what created the, the infamous Fett that fans latched onto. Uh, it had nothing to do with how he died or whatnot. I mean... Would I have thought he was as big of a bozo? Probably not. I mean, the, the, really, the bozo, the bozo classification is 90% from the way he goes out because he yeah. looks like a complete jackass. I mean, it is a complete jackass move. The only way they can really retcon him not looking like a jackass is if they now say that he was drunk as fuck on the <laughs> you know, sail barge. Right? When all that went down, and he's like, "Oh shit, we got a fight going on." Ugh, Han Solo got out. God damn it! He's like, flies over, and he can't. You can hardly fucking see. He's pissing himself in his armor, you know. And that's how he gets killed by a blind guy with an accidental bow staff move. Yeah. Um, but but Boba, it, it was it was the armor. Like I said, watch that documentary. I mean, he he's marching in the in a fucking parade. Before he's even on screen and people are going fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Very true. Even more so than, than Vader marching in the same parade. I mean, it was all about that armor. So uh, there you go. There you go. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it was his death. It was more of like this presence that he put off. 
know, this this badass with a jetpack shoots Max. fucking. It's the mystique yeah. that Morrison now thinks is ruined because of the Book of Boba Fett. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, all, right. all right. So that's the question of the week. Thank you all for responding. And like Matt said, every Tuesday morning, the question will go up on our Instagram. So if you want to get involved, follow us on the IG at Star Wars Time Show. And then on there, you'll see the question pop up on Tuesday before the show. Uh, but that's going to bring us to our fan segment of the week or our top five part of the fan segment for the week. And if you want to get involved in that, make sure to tag us in all of your star Wars artwork that you put up on the IG at star Wars time show on Instagram, use the hashtag star Wars time show on those posts as well to make sure that we get as much visibility into those as possible. So to kick off this week's top five, I'm going to tell you right now, I was feeling a little goofy in the top five this week. A lot of people put out some fun mashups, some fun uh, different, you know, scenes that you can play off of in the in the uh, in the Star Wars universe. So uh, a little bit of mashup heavy this week, but it's still still a fun top five. And the first one is from at Toy Fanatic on the <laughs> IG. And yeah, what you we definitely see- you definitely want for the uh, the more creative, humorous types of setups this week. Yeah, yes, you, yes. You do. I mean, you do. I know you do this late at night. Who knows what you're up to? But you, you tend to get into a theme when you're picking the top five these days. I do. I do. There's for some reason, like one image will catch me and then somehow I'll find others within the feed that week that are like related in some way, shape or form. And we definitely have that in, in this one. So uh, Toy Fanatic kicks us off and we have an awesome Harry Potter X Star <laughs> Wars mashup where Lord Voldemort and Nagini are are there in their hideout. You can see some some wanted posters in the background. But one thing that, that we didn't know about Voldemort is that he's really into Star Wars toys, man, especially in those early 90s, right around when Voldemort was coming back. You know, he's got his his X-Wing collectible right there. You can see the uh, the Death Star Space Station collectible, the TIE Fighter collectible off to the side, and then some other ones that are a little bit shadowed. But hey, man, you know, even while he's out trying to destroy humanity and, and take over the wizarding world, uh, Voldemort still likes to open up some Star Wars collectibles and, and display well, yeah, those I, I wanted- in his house. I went back to Toy Fanatic's original post because he he puts a comment which which brings a little more light to the scene he created here. And he said, as a kid growing up, Star Wars was my go-to toy. And until now, it has brought joy and fulfillment in my hobby. I hope Voldemort finds his true joy as well. So he, <laughs> he's kind of like, you know, passing on his love of, of playing with Star Wars toys to a very angry and, and depressed person in Voldemort and hoping that it, it, it cheers them up when they're holding that X-Wing uh, in their hands. So I, I don't I love, I mean, I love the little <laughs> props. I, I'm always a sucker for people that build out sets. I, I think, yeah. I, as I've said in the past, there's, there's multiple art forms to master in toy photography to become a true Mac daddy. I mean, obviously being able to take a coherent image is, is a big one. But then once you get into the ability to craft sets and scenes with sets, that's where you've reached next level. So um, kudos to Toy Fanatic here with the creativity and then just the the ability to execute it with all those little props. It's just very cool. It is very awesome work by at Toy Fanatic on Instagram. 
go give follow. Next up, another another fun mashup scene here from at Intergalactic Raptor. I saw he was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still still hanging around, but I mean, what a this is just such a fun <laughs> mashup between Star Wars and the Muppets. So what you see is Yoda and Grogu and Kermit, <laughs> and I guess that's another Kermit. Um, unless there's Wasn't another I, another I frog. could be wrong, but but I thought that there was a young like a young frog Kermit? thing. I just I don't okay. know the name. I could be completely wrong. I, it's been a long time since I've really focused on the Muppets, but uh, either way. It ain't easy being green, but this shot sure as hell makes it that much more simple. I love his uh, his original caption is the Yodas and the Kermits getting together for a family fishing trip. Um, and it's great because you the see Yodas and Kermits. I, yeah. love, I just like the name It's like because uh, we, we still don't know the fucking species and it's not like nope. they, they had last names. So it's yeah, it's just the Yodas and Kermits. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. The setup is fantastic, as with all of intergalactic raptor yeah. stuff. So you see it's like a marshland. It could be on Dagobah. They're, they're all four of them sitting on a Yoda with a, a line in the water. Then you have Kermit with a line in the water. He's actually pulling a fish out right now. Then you have other Kermit in the background, like freaking out, like, oh, look at that. He's got a fish. And then little <laughs> Grogu looking on, too, as the fish is getting reeled in. I mean, the the, the scene itself is set up so perfectly that you I mean, I just I, I just it's Yoda's expression that does know, it for me. He's, like, he's looking right at the camera like, how the fuck did I get mixed up in this bullshit? <laughs> he's like, I was supposed to be on Dagobah training by myself, learning how to become a force ghost. And now I got to take care of these buttheads. Oh, it's just it, right. He's looking at us like, what did I do with my okay, life? So, he's like, where where did I fuck up? <laughs> so Intergalactic Raptor is still here. And Rick Emmert have both come in and said that Kermit's son's name is Robin. So now, yeah, there we see. I, I, we I thought go. he had a name. Woo there we go. Thank you All for right. the clarification. Thank you for the update. And Intergalactic Raptor bringing it in. I mean, it's a it's just a fun, super awesome setup. So it, it's the same. It's like I said. I mean, look look at the little world that was built yeah. here. I mean, we got a. It looks like a practical little swampy type of thing. They've got their little poles. And if you know how small these figures are, that that makes the work even more impressive. I mean, Nick, that Yoda might be an inch and a half <laughs> tall but i mean look at that he made a little little bamboo pole fort to fish it's just i love it. i love the, like the green tones that kind of wash over it but to me it's that look from yoda where he's, he's looking at the camera yeah almost breaking the fourth wall and going like i said how did i end up here like how did my life turn out to this like I'm stuck with these goofball <laughs> frogs and this little shithead pain in the ass that is eating me out of house and home. <laughs> like, what did I do in my life to deserve this fate? <laughs> so it's good stuff here. All right. So that is at All intergalactic right. underscore Raptor on Instagram. Make sure to give next up. This is a fantastic piece from at Sean Forney art. And Sean Forney again was in the chat, longtime listener of the show. Um, and I mean, this is like it's straight out of a comic book. Like I, I know that Sean does. Well, wait, that's comic, what he is. Yeah, I he's mean, a comic he, artist. <laughs> correct. But mm-hmm. I mean, this is like I don't know if if Sean does Sean actually work for? Does he do like Star Wars comics, or is he like uh, do work with other other brands? Um, 
I know he's worked with brands. I don't know if he's ever done something directly for Marvel. Uh, Sean goes to a lot of cons and, you know, runs a booth and, and sells his prints. Uh, I believe this is something he illustrates for fans on Twitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, a lot of times he'll take like a comic book cover and then just go to town and, and cause he does the drawing and the inking, yeah. I believe like this is all, all Sean work. I mean, he, you know, in the comic book land, a lot of times you have someone doing each thing. Someone will draw and someone will color it in. Uh, but Sean does it all. And, and, and you're right. It is. It, it's got that comic book, almost animated feel to it. Um, which makes it stand out. You know, a lot of things we've seen Mandalorian, it's just very sharp lines in the helmet and whatnot. There's a little more rounded lines in this piece. Uh, but you nailed it. I mean, it, it's a comic book cover. And it's something like, like I, I know Sean personally. He he lives in Columbus. Uh, I've been to cons with him, ran into him. Celebration, saw him down at the, the last one. I actually have some of his heart, uh, art hanging up. I've got a, a badass-looking Hulk print hanging up behind me. Um, in the EB days, I, I helped kickstart Sean's own character and comic book. I think it was the Scarlet Huntress, Sean. C- correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but in the comic book, he actually drew in some Entertainment Buddha stuff, like in the scenes oh, wow. awesome. of the comic. So it was pretty cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, Sean says... That- yeah, he's done here. He. There you go. Yeah, go he says that he's done some Star Wars shirts for the 501st, so he's definitely worked in the Star Wars space before, at least in the within the fan community. But I mean, this piece here, I don't even know if we described it, but it's basically uh it's it's Din full uh Din and um Grogu standing in the the deserts and they're surrounded by the uh that that famous scene that we saw from Mandalorian season 1 where there are pikes with um Stormtrooper helmet shoved down on them, and they're you know, um, Ben has his disintegrator rifle out and ready, uh, along with his pistol, and then Grogu's kind of like at his at his ankles, kind of holding on to, to Daddy Ben. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an awesome piece of artwork here by Sean, and uh, you know, I think he did a. I know he's either working on one or completed a a. Pretty snazzy looking at Ahsoka too. Let me see. I don't. Oh, there's his Scarlet Huntress. Yeah, here we go. I must have missed this one. Like this Ahsoka looks like you just colored in with uh, markers. I've got it on the live stream. Uh, uh, Nick will probably have to catch up to it. Uh, that that's a good looking comic cover of Ahsoka. Nice vibrant orange punch right there. Uh, yeah, hey, check him out, man. He's a comic book artist, colorist, and illustrator. Upper Deck, Source Point Press, One First, Devil's Do, Counterpoint, Living in the Sea Bus, Sean Forney Art at gmail.com. He also has a link tree. I don't know if he, he does commission work, uh, but if you want to reach out, he's at Sean Forney Art on Instagram. Uh, maybe he can whip you up something like this. I might have to try to scam one from him. It's funny because... One of my real good friends works at the same high school as Sean's wife. And apparently she print out she printed out this print and another Star Wars print of Sean's at work. And my buddy saw them sitting on the printer. I was like, oh motherfucker, Sean just did that. Steal that. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if he took it from I don't know if he took it from uh Sean's wife or not, but I might have to try and secure one yeah. of these. So yep, at Sean Forney Art. Check him out. He's a good guy. And he goes to a lot of the uh, local cons and whatnot around the country. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, next up for the top five is one of our favorites. 
This is at Savvy Art, S-A-V-V-Y-Y. I, I was so happy to see see her tagging us yeah. again because I don't know. It's weird. Like a lot of the artists that I've I've followed and I try to like their stuff to have them come up in our feed, they just don't come up in the feed anymore. I mean, I barely see Daz Tibbles. Uh, our boy Devin, and he still tags us, so we, we see his new work coming out at Super Scoundrel. Uh, but, you know, it's Savvy, sadly, if she doesn't tag us, I, we don't see her shit anymore because of the algorithm on IG. So I was glad that she hit us again here with this uh, Ray in training yes. uh, work of art, real ass yes, paint. Yes, it's, it's beautiful stuff and Savvy's signature style. So you see Ray kind of in that, that kind of bent over... Uh, preparing to to run pose that we see her during her training uh, her training arc in Rise of Skywalker, Blue Saber ignited. I mean, just the way like her illustration style is just so awesome, and it captures um, the essence of of these characters so well. And it has this like Disney feel to it. Like it, it just oh yeah, it's yeah. just beautiful, beautiful stuff. I have one of her pieces of art hanging on my wall right next to. Me. Um, and yeah, I mean, this one of Ray, I mean, say what you will about the character story arc throughout the sequel trilogy, but Ray as a character has always been pretty cool. And I love the portrayals of her from, from talented artists like Savvy and others. So, um, it's always fantastic to see something like this slide across the feed, uh, from Savvy at Savvy Art, S-A-V-V-Y-Y-A-R-T yeah. on Instagram. I still, I'm still pulling for her to one day be an animator for Disney. I know, right? It just, I mean, it, it shows you, it, it's, to me, being an artist like this, like Sean, it, it's no different than trying to be a, a famous actor. It's like there, there's so few positions at the top that all these amazing people never really get the exposure, accolades, pay that they deserve. Yeah. And yeah, I know we, we, we portray ourselves as simpletons when it comes to art, but let, let's be real. I mean, art is art. You look at it and you, you know if it kicks ass or not. And, and I mean, her work just kicks ass every single post. And it's just like, why aren't the right people seeing her? Hire this girl. <laughs> Pay her the money, Kathy. Right. There we go. We put it out there into the universe. Hopefully something will take root. If it does savvy, make sure to let us know that we are the reason you became <laughs> successful and not your own talent, just like we have co-opted with Devin these days. All the success he has achieved over these past year and a half, two years, are a direct result of being featured on the Star Wars Time Show. Go. And I'm going to leave that story at that. No room, no room for arguments. We did it all. It has nothing to do with Devin's talents. <laughs> it's all, right? all so thanks. To hopefully the... <laughs> there yeah. we go good job great stuff i mean devin these days he, he's out like getting steak dinners left and right hobnobbing with hollywood elites hey, and man. He's working for cameo now i mean the dude's just really taking off made it happen he made so it happen. good for him all right last one no, we no remember we Nick, made it we happen. made it happen okay thank you all right, last one in top five this week. This is at Electric Dreamer. <laughs> and this shot, I mean, this might this is probably my favorite one of the top five just because it's so uh, fucking off the wall. So it's literally again, dude. <laughs> it fits the theme. Yoda, look at <laughs> it's it's Yoda and Mace Windu, and they're both just like high as fuck, leaning up against a tree, <laughs> potentially on, you know, I don't know where this would be at. 
like the forest area of Endor, maybe. Maybe they just made a drop, a stop off at Endor. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're they're high, they're eating. Oh, yeah. They're just having a good time, man. They're connecting with Mother Nature. <laughs> I'm literally 10 years old. I'm, my, my like humor meter is never going to go beyond about 10 years of age. But it's just like... There's something funny as hell about seeing Jedi Masters get fucked up. And again, Yoda steals the shot. Yeah. Like, look at, He's look like at fucking Yoda. Out, man. Look at him. He's just like, I mean, his eyes aren't even open. This, this <laughs> dude has smoked the fattest spliff he has ever smoked. He's had one too many IPAs, and he is just cashed the fuck out. Like, he's just sitting there like, Ooh, see shit I do. And, he's like, and Mace is like, what? What'd you say, man? He's like, oh, damn, bro. You are fucking high. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, beer I must drink. It's just, I don't know, man. <laughs> like a stone Yoda, that face just looks perfect. He really does look like he just took a blunt to the head and one too many alcoholic <laughs> beverages, but he's having a good time. They were, they were probably talking about trying to find the uh, Sith Lord, even though the Sith Lord was right in front of their faces. And now we know why Man. these two, some of the strongest Jedi of all time, allowed Sidious to treat them like fools. It's because they're out back getting high as fuck. Right, man. That's right. So, I mean, this shot, yeah. I mean, there's so much you could say about this <laughs> shot, but the only way to truly appreciate it is to see it. So go make sure you go follow at electric yeah. underscore dreamer on Instagram. I mean, it's just fucking aces this one here it's almost like mace knows that yoda is fucking comatose and he's like hey man are you gonna smoke the rest of that yeah. joint you know, he's he's trying to cop himself another fat he has a whole like little <laughs> script played out too on his on the post on his ig so make sure you follow so you can go read the script i'm not gonna read the whole thing here but definitely go read it on his at yoda is could be one of the best mascots for stoners right all yeah, time. yeah like you just look at this shot this guy i mean he looks like someone that smoked a ton of dope him and gandalf <laughs> oh man that's some, it's just dude it's fucking great i fucking love it so at electric underscore dreamer on <laughs> it's what i look like on the weekend nights essentially hey yoda right there. i feel it i same <laughs> same. Uh, I just love it. Love, love all of you and, and your warped senses of humor. I mean, really, that's that's why I still, uh, you know, go through the toy photography community, even though I really haven't done much myself this year. And I mean, hell, I don't, I don't think I've had a shoot in over a month. But damn, some of you motherfuckers and the way you think and then your ability to execute it with your figures. It's just beautiful. And that's why we do the top five on the Star Wars time show. There we go. And that's the end of the top five. And that's the end of our show for this week. So, Matt, take us home and draw us in with a nice little dance. All right, here we go. I'm shaking it this time. Maybe here I'll do the do the Terry Crews, get the pecs jumping for you. And why are they jumping, <laughs> Nick? Well, that's because we're going over to StarWarsTime.net, the home base of the Star Wars Time Show, where you can find all of our content and, more importantly, all of the links that we need you to click on to make us feel popular. So if you go to StarWarsTime.net and you hit subscribe to podcasts, that's where you can find all of our platforms. And trust me, we're on all the important ones. If we're not, as I've said before, you're just using the wrong platform. Get on the ones that we're on and you'll be good to go. 
Uh, but in all seriousness, if you have not subscribed to a podcast platform, even if you just like the live stream, we'd ask you to go out to preferably the um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, like the show, follow the show, and then if possible, rate and review. Let's try to get those iTunes, or it's, I know it's not iTunes anymore, but the podcast ratings up on Apple. I think we're at 37. I'd love to get that into the, into the 60s, if not 100. Because that is how we will start getting new fans. Because clearly, we have sucked the toy photography and our own friends dry. They're here. They've been with us. They support us. But we need to expand beyond the Instagram crowd. As much as we love you diehards, we need to start bringing in some of the casuals. And the only way to do that is for all of you to keep promoting, outside of Instagram even, talking to friends, family, and other lunatics that you may think might enjoy this show. But the other way is through tricking the AIs out there that control the internet, like the Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. Because no joke, if you apply a rating and even if you drop a little review, a little, you know, a little cherry on top, that will go into the calculations the next time, next time someone searches good Star Wars podcasts, silly Star Wars podcasts, angry Star Wars podcasts. You never know, you might get the SWTS pop up at the top of SERPs. And we can't do that without your help. So please, StarWarsTime.net, spread the word, get people subbing. Even if they don't like the show, just have them sub. Go on your, your, your wife's phone and account, your kid's phone and account, start subbing to the podcast on their devices. When you're done doing that, stay on StarWarsTime.net and scroll down a little bit and sub to YouTube. Do the same thing. Grab your family and friends' devices and sub for them, even if they do not want it. It's okay. We will not tell on you. And if you are a YouTube listener, just make sure, even if you're listening right now, like the stream today, leave a comment, share it, turn on notifications if you're not subscribed. If you're not subscribed, shame on you, all right? Don't make me say it again. Slap yourself, I don't care where, preferably somewhere in the groin, and then subscribe on YouTube. We always like to see those come in. And as I said earlier, it'd be really nice over the next month or two to get the show to at least a thousand subscribers. I think we're at like 894. Uh, so if you can go on your, your personal socials, again, I know it's hard to ask, but I think we've tapped out the IG community. So start blaring it out other places that you might be vomiting up your, your social thoughts. Because there really is always time for Star Wars time, even if there's no fucking Star Wars to talk about. But Nick and I have proved week in and week out, over 191 episodes, that there truly is always time for Star Wars time when you're listening to the Star Wars time show. And don't forget, if you do listen to us two assholes, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.